Hey, y'all. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Please be sure to subscribe and lend us a five-star review um, on iTunes or the Apple Podcasting app. The algorithms really love those stars, and it'll help people find our podcast. So thank you so much for listening um, and for telling a friend. And please enjoy this next episode, which features the band Quiet Life. No, yeah, it's a good, it's like a good move. I, I don't really ever know what to say when we start either, but here we are out here yet out again. Here. We Yay. out here yet again for the rock and roll review. Um, we're actually already on episode nine. Nine is a lucky number for crazy. me. I like is nine. It? Yeah, it's always oh, been it's my lucky number. all your number. passwords, right, for your important stuff? Yep, nine or 999 <laughs> or 9099. <laughs> all right, take notes. My favorite, uh, thieves. I met Tom in 2009. Gosh. I know. Rough year. No, it's a really good uh, wine vintage, which is good because we used to drink 2009s um, on our every anniversary. Like, That's nice. Yeah. I actually cute. moved to Santa Barbara in 2009. It was a good year. Yeah. 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 That's when I started UCSB. Um, I packed up my little 300ZX, my little 85, little oh, red man. guy. and The second one, right? Yeah, the second one. And yeah. <laughs> cruised all the way. Cruised all the way down. I remember. Yeah, I remember helping you pack up and stuff. Yeah. So anyway, so it's our ninth episode. Um, we're doing a, an exciting band. We have our, by the way, we have our uh, Billie Holiday votive candle yeah. um, burning. That's important. <laughs> it's right next to a Stephen King novel I started. Yeah. Uh, different I, seasons. It's like Shawshank Redemption, basically. It's all his short stories. It's got Shawshank on there. And then also... Um, I did not mean to get engrossed in that today, by the way. Know, I just picked uh, it up. And next oh, thing you know, I so, was like... 40 pages and I was like, Dude, I need to calm down. It's so good. And then, uh, you know, the movie stand by me with like, Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So river Phoenix, right? Is that his name? Uh, not um, my area of expertise. Yeah. So uh great movie. Um, it's based on a fucking Stephen King short story called the body that I had never heard of before. Is that in here? Uh, yeah. It's like the third one. Oh shit. Yeah. So I, I'm going to read that next. Um, yeah, yes. this is yeah. The Shawshank Redemption is what I started, but it's like a million pages. It's not that long. It's like a hundred and oh yeah, the body. Yeah, um, how many pages is that? Shawshank's not that long. It's like a hundred and seventy. Yeah. Oh it, yeah, yeah. It's Shawshank quick. is like a uh, hundred and uh, fourteen pages, which is kind of. I think I read it in like two days. Like came home from work. Oh, did look my, at like, you, fast reader. I, I, oh my no, God. I just you know when when you're not here, you know, and yeah. Tom gets home later, I I come home. Like, and I, when it's nice out, I sit on the back upstairs balcony. It sounds like I have a really bougie apartment. I don't. It's just, <laughs> it's just like on top of Take the roof. my 2009 Napa cab. <laughs> my balcony. Backyard balcony. It, it's kind of funky because it's just sitting on the roof of my neighbor's house. It's not even like a real balcony. It's like an afterthought. But yeah, so I, I'll sit yeah. and read with the cats and they'll run, they'll jump around the outside. It's basically on their ceiling right it's on their, their yeah their roof is their like roof. this whole yeah. patio or deck or whatever you want to call it but yeah so i'll read and uh that one's really good stu has been poking around my bookshelf i have been. what else were you reading <laughs> well i read that ted bundy the stranger, novel. Beside, yeah, the stranger me. beside me and that was long that was dark it is <laughs> it was so, so dark. I, it's super dark i got um 
I got a In Cold Blood because I'd heard when I got into true crime, I heard it was the number one true crime novel. And then number two is Helter Skelter. And number three, so Capote and Cold Blood and then um, okay. Helter Skelter. And then the third is The Stranger Beside Me. In so Cold I just Blood just about that random killing where like some people broke into a house and then ended up like, dudes, killing a family. It wasn't right? random. Uh, one of the guys had worked for the, the guy oh. uh, and seen that he had a big safe in his house. And he was mm. like, I, he's got a big house and a big safe. I think he has a lot of money. But they ended up killing this whole family and they only made like $37 or something. Anyway, Jeez. In Cold Blood is oh, really, but really well written. Capote, and then it has that Capote, movie. Yeah. yeah. I never saw the movie. It's really good. Yeah. It's really good. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, he doesn't. So then, yeah, so then it's, uh, what, what were the other two? It's uh, the Manson family. Oh, one? Helter, Skelter Helter Skelter by Bugliosi, um, who's the lawyer, uh, yeah. the prosecutor, and yeah. he is a bad. He's a wizard. Ass. Yeah, finding a, a way John to Douglas type. Yeah. yeah, finding a way to convict Manson despite the fact that he, he was wasn't never there. there. It's, never, it's oh, and the whole insane. book is about like how um, Vincent Bugliosi. Um, there was like a joke when the trial started. It's like the only thing the prosecution has is a couple fingerprints and uh, Bugliosi because he's such a badass lawyer. Yeah. And boom, they win the whole thing. You know, he also wrote this book way back when I was more political than I am now, but it was, um, I guess it oh, was about, yeah. it was about George W. Bush. Yeah. And it was right when we went to Iraq. It was right after we went to Iraq and that whole, you know, that whole debacle. Yeah. And basically he wrote this book called, um, the case, I think it's called something like the, the case, case against, against George, George w. w. Bush for yeah. murder. And it, he's basically taking on George W. Bush the same way he took on Charles Manson, where although George didn't Bush, or George W. Bush didn't technically he kill anyone, he commanded the murders just like Manson. He, or? yeah, well, he was responsible for the deaths of all these soldiers and all these citizens and war crimes and all this stuff because he had gone into Iraq under completely false pretenses and basically tricked the American public and people into doing it. And so, yeah, wow. Vincent Bugliosi wrote this whole book about how he, he would prosecute. Badass. Yeah, he's like, I would prosecute George W. Bush this way and that way and that way. He basically laid out the whole case. Yeah. And it was a... I know it sounds boring as fuck, but it was actually no, a, it, actually it was a really good I, book. I mean, I thought Helter Skelter is big. It's like a six hundred page yeah. book, and I was like, oh, I don't know if I can get into this. And like, he's he writes it like he's writing a novel and telling a story, and he he starts with all these characters, and I mean, yeah, it's really uh, I recommend it. I would. I mean, the Ted Bundy book that I'm reading now, The Stranger Beside Me, uh, it's really interesting because Anne Rule was actually like friends with him for years. Yeah, she worked next to him. She worked with him alone her and him like were in the night shift of some like crisis center yeah so and uh, believe it or not ted bundy like murdered countless women but he also was like working at a suicide prevention hotline yeah. and, like and like by the same i don't think it's by the same token but he's also saving people like ann rule had like a pretty interesting line in it where she's like you know i know for a fact that ted bundy you know murdered countless people or x amount yeah. of people but I can also tell you for a fact that he saved like countless people, which have is you, kind of crazy to think about. Did you get to the part where they have that like wine lunch? No. Yeah. They like meet up later. Uh, she's like, I met up with my old friend Ted and like we had like a wine lunch and like it's just it's just so fucking weird. Yeah. Because he's a piece of shit creep. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, yes. like, yeah, put him down. But it's just weird that <laughs> oh, he's like, did. Oh, yeah, they it's did. just weird that to hear this perspective of like, yeah, we just like sat in like a little bistro you know in the city and like had a bunch of wine and like caught up and she's like he was just this completely anyway 
Well, you never seemed, know. I mean, he seemed normal. <laughs> That's yeah. the takeaway. He seemed normal enough. Like I, like well, after I started reading can this, act normal, you know. Yeah. Sometimes I was like, after reading this book, I was like, I gotta dig into it more. And like, I started like watching oh, like man. interviews of him, and he's just such a crazy character in history. His and, his last interview before they uh, execute him just pisses me off. Oh, he's, where he's all, blaming like, porn or whatever. He's blaming porn, and he's talking about how like, like he found God, and I'm just like. Fuck you. Yeah. Like, it's just that, that like, all these, like, you see a lot of these, like, I don't know if it's sociopaths or psychopaths. I should, but they, like, they have this thing where, like, they make, they have no remorse. So they seem like they're being emotional about what they did, but it's yeah. all about them. Yeah. So he'll be like, this really, you know, this ruined my life. And, blah. and it's yeah. like, dude, you killed, like, 30 women. Fuck you. More, anyway. more than that. <laughs> but, yeah. More than that. No one knows. Well, there, there's a whole thing about that, too. Because, so, basically, the gist of what we're saying is, like, this uh, evangelical, like, pastor dude. And a very politic, like politicized figure um, kind of went to Ted Bundy. And Ted Bundy wanted to, like, re quote, reshape his legacy. Like, not make it all about killing people. He also wanted it to have, like a redeeming arc, oh, no. which obviously it's not going to have, but like <laughs> this, so he, so he kind of like paired up with this evangelical, um, you know, I don't want to say extremist because I don't think he was an extremist. He was just very, you know, Christian and yeah. believed in this sort of stuff. So he, they kind of made this narrative that the reason why Ted Bundy became Ted Bundy wasn't, you know, nature or whatever. It oh, yeah, was, he's like, I blame violent porn. Yeah, it was violent pornography. Fuck and you. specifically those weird, creepy, like, detective novels back in the day. I don't know if you've ever seen them, but they know. showed them. Dude, they're dark. Like, they were, um, they were basically, like, very, like, graphic images of women kind of being sexualized, but also, like, attacked. Oh, and this is, like, in the 50s or 60s. Uh. So apparently, like, when Ted Bundy was a kid, he, like, found a bunch of these, and then that kind of, like, quote, molded him. But anyway, it was no definitely excuses. politicized. They're trying to, like, get rid of porn. They're, like, because that was when porn was, like, starting to, like, really be distributed widely on, like, VHS and all that kind of shit. So, oh, like, the 90s. Yeah. And they had the little back rooms at the video store, yeah. and you'd be like, yeah, I, the, dare the you to run, I dare you to run in there. <laughs> and your friend would be like, no. And then you do the it. Seventeen-year-old anyway. behind the counter is like motherfucker. I, I can't like, even go back there. I don't want to. He's like, who's remember, gonna get that kid, dude? You know when you're a kid and just things that are like out of your uh, like off limits to you are just like, oh, I want to see what's in there. And like as an adult, I know it's just like a little tiny room of like movies with like it's and, not exciting, but and like really lonely people. Yeah, like the saddest people. Like, dude, do you have the internet, bro? <laughs> you can, don't you have Google, dude? It's <laughs> yeah. everywhere. You have a phone, you right? You don't have to pay for it. No. Um, but yeah, I anyway. But anyway, that's that's my life. I've been obsessed with been obsessed with that true crime novel, and then I just started reading Shawshank Redemption. Stephen King is just the king, man. Yeah, he, you know, I, I used to read him a lot more when I was younger, and I've kind of forgot yeah. how much I love his writing. It's just so enticing from the second you start reading Dude, it. Dude, The Shining, Carrie, The Shining. I've read Pet Cemetery. I've read Carrie. I've and read then, Pet Cemetery, uh, which is a great. The book. Shining film. I did. I didn't. I force you guys to watch it the other night. No, not the other night, but I've. I've forced many a person to watch okay. it. <laughs> I'm like, it's so no, brilliant. No, we watched that. We watched that. Uh, oh, we watched that shitty documentary on, yeah. on uh, Room whatever about uh, about Kubrick making the film. And there was some interesting stuff, but it was a lot of... a lot uh, of director worshipping. Like, no, it was a lot of He uh, did people, this because he's so brilliant. It, because, no, it was a lot of theory. It was a lot yeah. of people going, I think that the shine, that Kubrick's The Shining, so not Stephen King's, but Kubrick's film version yeah. of it, was all about this or all about... 
genocide. But they also all about, like, and it's like it's like oh, you're stretching a little. But they bit. picked very specific instances of yeah. like. It's interesting. It's just very yeah. And far-fetched. I'm like, are you sure that just didn't accidentally happen? Like they were all convinced that like every single bit of the movie, like everything you can possibly think of, was planned to the very detail. I think it was, but I don't think that the details that they found uh, connected with what they were trying to say. It it reminded me of being in college when I'm in like an art history class and someone's like, I think this and I think Van Gogh was doing this because he felt this way. And you're just like, Ooh, this is very reachy. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a fun, like, you know, express your ideas and your opinions. But like, it was a whole, the only reason I was disappointed was because I, I nerded out on the shining. I love that film. And then end the book. And then I watched it. And I bought this documentary on Amazon Prime because you have to buy it. And I like paid five bucks for it. And it was like a documentary about the shining, the making of the shining. And I was like, oh yeah. And it was just like people talking about what they thought it was about. It had yeah. nothing to do with the making of it. So I was really disappointed. It was kind of a bummer. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Um, so the band we're doing today Yay! is one that I've <laughs> been a fan of for probably like five years or so maybe a little longer i remember that long huh yeah i think i started listening to them right when their album in 2013 came out wild pack because they they started playing it on like uh pandora playlists and stuff like that and i just oh good yeah so they they've been kind of on my radar for quite a while record time was a song that got me into them i don't know if you're familiar with it yeah the first track on the first track on wild pack yeah wild pack yeah yeah, and I only seen them one time uh, when I was in L.A., and it was a really fun concert. Um, it was like this tiny little venue, so probably no bigger than Vinny's, you know? Oh, wow. Yeah, it was a small venue, and they definitely didn't sell it out. Um, no shade, no shade. <laughs> we rarely sell anything out. No, have we ever? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think. Yeah, and so I <laughs> remembered probably drinking way too much for this show. And um, we definitely Ubered there, so don't worry. Uh, Ubered out, and uh, but before we left, I like met. Um, I met their lead singer Sean Spellman. Oh, and you met he, him. He's a vocalist, guitarist, and he plays harmonica too in yeah. all the tracks. And he was a really nice, humble guy. But then again, I'm sure I was like the most obnoxious because I was just like, were you fan- fangirling? Were you oh, like- I was fangirling so hard, and You're I was like, also drunk, so I it was like. Music. I was definitely like I was definitely drunk. So I was like fangirling. I was like being probably, you know, within their bubble of, you know, space or whatever. And uh, and then the guy that I really fangirled hard was their lead guitar player at the time. His name's Thor. No, Jensen. And, yeah. <laughs> and uh, he, he, I okay. love his guitar solos in their in their music. Like his guitar work in their music. Uh, he does all the side guitar it's and so, stuff like that. Dude, it's so. Um warm and like i don't know if it's like the recording quality but um like you listen to the his his solos and they sound like something off like a beatles or like a joe cocker record they sound really um authentic and like they have great shape too like yeah they start out try to talk about guitar yeah they start out like really uh slow and kind of melodic and then they eventually like build up and get louder and get higher up the neck so he really like tells a story with his solos yeah so basically what happened is i went up to this guy after the show (laughs) and i told him 
everything I just told you. <laughs> like, you know, I was just telling him how cool I his solos so are. Much. And then, you know, I felt like I really needed to cap it off with like a moral of the story, like kind of feel, you know, and I was just you like, you know, before you're walking away from someone, yeah. you feel like you need to say something I just deep. Have to impart, like a moral. And I was like, Hey man, just never quit playing guitar. Okay, buddy. Just never quit. And he was like, thanks man <laughs> like was, i wasn't yeah, planning was like, on quitting yeah, like, but thank you for think this i was gonna quit wisdom anyway that was my embarrassing story about how i met wildlife <laughs> no i think that's great quiet life yeah um they <laughs> that's so funny um so yeah so it's a fan it's a bit of a family band just, just like, like we us. are just like us except oh it's God. brothers um and we're brothers nope <laughs> <laughs> it's uh Sean and Ryan Spellman. Yeah. Um, and they look like freaking twins, dude. I don't know if they're twins, but they look like it. They look like they, they look, look really exactly alike. The same one has glasses and the other one doesn't. And yeah. I, I was watching the video contacts. and I kept being like, is that Sean? Is that anyway? Um, and then they have uh, some close friends in the band as well. So what, what is a, uh, so Sean is the, Sean is a guitarist singer. and he plays acoustic guitar mostly. Right. And sings oh, like me. And yeah. Yeah. And, um, and Ryan plays drums, and that's it, I think. I wonder, I, I couldn't find a lot of, um, I, I read a couple of interviews today, I couldn't find a ton of information on like how those two brothers started playing music, but I imagine two brothers, one plays guitar and one plays drums, like yeah. they definitely could play together from the beginning, which is kind of a cool thought. Yeah. Um, well, there. What was it? the Red Walls when we covered them? It was a similar thing. They're like, well, yeah. we were just playing together for. I mean, they yeah, didn't play drums, and you know, they both played guitar. I think maybe one played bass, but yeah, um, they said they had the, basically yeah. their little group from the very beginning because yeah, you've they got just played together. The Black Keys, right there. You've got the White yeah. Stripes, um, because that's all you know. Also, for me, when I write, with. yeah, when I write music, like the the beat and the feel of the song is almost as important as everything if not just as important as everything else like lyrics melody absolutely everything. i love the feel and the the pace and the beat of the song so right when you're a songwriter and you're you know someone that you're related to as a drummer i'm sure at some point they're so much on the same wavelength because they've known each other their whole lives you know yeah so i'm sure it's great for sean to write music and write guitar and then to have ryan right there because i'm sure he doesn't even really need to fill in too much they're probably just they have that little, little we're connection. doing the like psychic connection yeah. twin we're like pointing uh, at each other yeah <laughs> um we're uh yeah i i definitely i i noticed that when you and i play as just a two-piece it's it's extremely uh easy to kind of mess around a little more on stage and kind of mm -hmm. improv more because we're really keyed into each other in what's got to be like a blood relative it's way it's got to be it and can't just be knowing else. you my <laughs> entire yeah. life i've never not well, known playing you music for 10 years and playing music we'll for 10 years so there's a lot of that um so that's a really special uh little uh way to blossom a band um is to come out of these blood relatives i love mm -hmm. that you know there's a lot so more they're than i they're realized lucky to have yeah. that but yeah there's a lot of that so let's start out with this first track um so this one is off their newest album foggy which came out in 2016 and we talked about this with davy from davy and the chains but this uh, this band and their album Foggy was also produced by Scott McMicken from Dr. Dog. Yeah. So Mount Slippery is the studio that Scott McMicken, uh, I'm sure he owns it, operates it, produces people in it. Dr. Dog records there. And uh, he basically had the whole band 
come and like live at Mount Slippery for like a few weeks and they wrote the album there and recorded it there. That's awesome. So yeah, it's a whole thing. And I, this song I really love. Uh, and I think it speaks to something that quiet life does a lot and they do it really, really well is they, they do an incredible job of building songs where it'll start out really low and yeah, soft and dynamics. then they'll add and add and add to it. And then by the end, it's just like this huge rock and awesome thing. And not that yeah. it's not awesome in the beginning, but like it, cre- it creeps its way up. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes when I'm like trying to write a song like that, I feel like it's almost canned like, and this, oh, this is that building song, you know, that just builds throughout the whole song. And you, it's hard to like preconceive that when you're writing because yeah. it doesn't always turn out that great. It seems kind of gimmicky sometimes. Yeah. But they do it flawlessly and they and they do it in a lot of their tunes. And um, I think this one is my favorite example of them doing it. So I thought yeah. maybe that's why it'd be a good one to play first. All right. So this one uh, is called Live Wire and it's off their 2016 album Foggy. Did you know we were coming? Hey, Kate, did you know to let it be? Hey, hey, you down on the fiddle strumming? Sing out, there's no reason you shouldn't be. Your baby is a real live wife. Your sister is a real live wife Your mom is a real live wife Your daughter is a real live wife When I was on my way I took advice I had to take So too long years go by I was traveling alone You were right, it was the only way I was traveling alone On my own when I thought I'd break Now wake to realize I
So quiet life. <laughs> I love how it builds so much. That that just sounds so great. Um, and then eventually, when the guitar is like, yeah, like that guitar solo sounds like something off Abbey Road to me. It just sounds really gorgeous and warm and fuzzy. Yeah. yeah, he's got a that guitar solo is great. And what I really love about this song also is they use like these little saxophone stabs in it. And the yeah. second verse is like, I was on my way. And it, they, it really just punctuates yeah. the feel on two and four. But yeah, I think the guitar solo is almost like I was saying, like the guitar solo is almost like a microcosm of the whole song because just like the song itself, it like starts out real chill and slow, yeah. and then builds to like this really awesome crescendo in the end. Yeah. And the horns come in. Um, and I also, this is another situation where the song isn't, complicated necessarily and it's like chord progression it kind of just repeats a lot of it over and over again so really all they have to do in order to change the song is like uh change the instrumentation a little bit like start adding in layers of instruments and also um building uh the dynamics like like i was talking about but the other thing that they do that's awesome in it is right before the guitar solo it's like the one chord progression change in the whole song it goes and then all of a sudden the guitar solo picks up yeah back to the regular chord progression and it makes it sound that much sweeter coming back but yeah i love i love the mix of instruments they use in this song and i think it's just a really really good example of what they what they are yeah so um as far as uh like i was i was diving into um into Sean's lyrics. I think Sean's kind of the main songwriter as far as the lyrics. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so I, I think, think that's Scott, safe to say. I think Scott McMicken might have helped him write songs. Oh, okay. In Foggy. Because okay. I know that he came into the, into the studio with like a lot of unfinished stuff. So, Well, kind of bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. I think as far as, yeah, I, I, I like to imagine he's penning the lyrics, but yeah. Um, so I was trying to understand, uh, their background a little more and digging into them today. Um, and you can't look at any article or interview about this band without them talking about how much time these guys spend on the road. Yeah. Like they are always, always touring and some, yeah, some of these like articles that start with like Sean Spellman, um, you know, is a residence of everywhere and nowhere. Like, it's almost like they don't, they don't really claim, uh, like a, he has a hometown. He has a, uh, New London, Connecticut, where he's from. He was raised in Jersey. Oh, is that what that song? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he's they raised in Jersey. They have a song Jersey. called New London, so him it must his, be about him his and his brother raised in Jersey. And then he lived in New he lived in New York for a while. Moved back to New London with the band, and then uh, they moved to San Luis Obispo. Oh uh, shit! And then they moved to Portland. So they they moved around, and then they just started touring. They toured with what, like the Lumineers, Alabama Shakes and dr dog um but it just sounds like they're head in the heart it just which are all great bands for them to support it's really similar vibe Um, those are like the headliner indie bands but they're they're (laughs) always on the road um and and uh and he says uh let's see i read a daily times article um where sean is talking about being on the road all the time and he says it's got a lot of perks the beauty of being able to travel to have friends all over the country and all over the world um it feels great to be on the road that's where you see stuff see the stuff of life you see the reality of what you're doing and um he says the experience of travel has really shaped our writing um and i think it comes through in the writing um even though we're not necessarily trying to communicate that um and i I, i've been listening to his songs today and i'm like a lot of these songs are 
have a background of somebody that is feeling maybe uh, not out of place. I don't think he's feeling out of place. I think he's feeling like he's doing the right thing and he's in place. But um, it it a lot of a lot of what he mentions is um, being on a journey or being on his way. I took advice I had to take, or I was on the road. Yeah. Um, or uh, I'm coming back or I'm leaving or somebody, yeah, there's somebody a lot of he cares about is far away transition. and he's not sure. Um, one song he's talking about, I'm not, if I, if I just showed up without letting you know, what would it be like kind of thing? Um, and so he, so there's a lot of that. So this song Livewire, he's, uh, he's talking about that too. He's going, I was on the road. Uh, I saw two long years go by. I was traveling alone. Uh, you were right. It was the only way. I was traveling alone on my own when I thought I'd break. So I think this song is at its core. I think it's a bit of a love song, um, but it's my favorite kind of love song in that it doesn't even have the word love in it. Yeah. Not one time, <laughs> but you know, I'm messing with a real love. Word. I think he's talking about a person. Can I we agree so. on that? Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, well, when he's talking in the chorus, he like says a bunch of, different like your baby womanly roles like sister, sister your mom, mother your daughter. daughter yeah it's a yeah, very like, it's a cool like is it all like the same female person? empowering song for sure i i, I uh, as a lady i approve yeah but um so that the first version of the chorus is your baby is a real life your sister your mom your daughter and then i think he's saying uh, now i wake to a real live wire now i'm messing with a real live wire your daughter is a real live wire. I'm always drawn to a real live wire. So I think it's a, it's an admiring song. It's a love song. Yeah, I think so. Um, without without saying that, and my favorite kind of love songs are are uh, not so much focused on. Um, it's the implication. <laughs> well, not so much focused on like here's my experience of being yeah. in love with you, but like more well a little bit of that, but more like admiring the person for a special thing about them like the fact that they're vivacious and like and like yeah. an exciting person like yeah. just being like this is why i like this person and the fact that he's saying i was on my way i was on the road uh for two years i was alone um and he was about to break it's it's kind of that that cool uh idea of a story of if you're gonna find this person that's for you you have to spend a lot of time alone finding yourself if you want to dig yeah. real deep yeah so Oh, I'm familiar with and that. And once he, <laughs> who who was it that says you gotta you gotta love yourself before you go off and try and love anybody else? I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know. But you're I gonna, I, I live by that shit. But I don't, like, know. I don't know. Yeah. So he had a little journey, and anyway, I that's that's my vibe off it. But it's it's just a really gorgeous song. It's a whole uh, atmospheric. Uh, I I said it's a microcosm of something. Or else, but <laughs> I want to say micro. No, atmospheric. Like it kind of takes up your whole. Like if you're playing it in your car, it's like. Yeah, they have a. Feels they have like a you're in his world, in his brain. Good techniques, especially with Scott in the in the studio, um, to get their production to sound more atmospheric. I think like right. if you really listen, you'll notice there's like a lot of synth and like keyboard yeah. stuff in the background, but it's but not necessarily it's not like in the way of anything. Yeah, it's like a backdrop. Right. It's like if you watch a play and there's like you know the set behind yeah them. it's like kind of like what the atmosphere is behind there's like synth uh that's playing like different registers so it kind of fills out uh yeah the, the spectrum of the sound his, a little um, bit you might know more about this but his vocal track is very um warm <laughs> i can't come up with a better yeah. word it's um 
I think you'll just find that. It sounds like a vinyl. His vocal track sounds like. I think that they're doing a lot of uh, probably, I want to say that when they're recording vocals, they're probably using a lot of outboard gear, which is like compressors and stuff. I know if you have like a real deal studio, you're going to be putting the signal, the, you know, the signal goes from your voice into the microphone through the cable, and right. then it goes to a plethora of different things. Like yeah. you can run it through a reverb, you can run it through effects, and you can yeah. run it through delays. And what people use a lot is they'll run it through a compressor to start with, okay. and then it'll go into Pro Tools, and then they'll run it through more shit like that. And then it just kind of, my old, um, one of my old engineer like buddies used to, used to explain compressors. He's like, it just gives the track more balls. <laughs> that's basically what it wow. does it gives it like more just gives it that much more like extra amount of, of a, yeah trying to think of a better euphemism dude it's um, hard to, it's hard to think of something else uh, once it once you hear that <laughs> but that's what he said is it more, more oomph? grit more oomph more, no more, just more uh, pop more yeah it just there's a better it way just to gives it, it that <laughs> um yeah so this whole i don't think we've we've made the connection yet um this whole album was, well, yeah, sorry, it was recorded with Scott, and they were living there too, right? Yeah, they were living at Mount Slippery for like so they, two weeks, I think. I was trying to imagine, there's a little quick documentary online about it, of them like, you know, shirtless walking around the studio because they're living there. <laughs> and it's yeah. like, I'm trying to imagine like, how great that you just like wake up and it's like, all right, guys, we got to make some eggs and bacon and shit, and then we're going to get in the studio. Yeah. And then you're up until six in the morning doing that. You know, yeah. it's like, and they were doing these crazy long days and you're just so immersed in it that, yeah, it's, what a dream. And you you well, get that vibe from the whole album. That's what they do at Prairie Sun Recording Studios. Do you remember me telling you about that place? It's in the Sonoma County, I think. Oh. That's where I want to record our album, but it might yeah. be too expensive. <laughs> I don't know. It might be like a couple, like three, four thousand dollars Money and time. Isn't but, that what we all need? <laughs> yeah. But basically what they offer is like a five-day lockout where you move into this. It's like a bed and breakfast slash studio. I don't know if they actually serve breakfast, but it's definitely like an in slash studio. might be on your own studio. For that. Yeah. That's yeah, that's what you want. So you, you get in there. Record and, as long as you want. Sleep, record, yeah, sleep, record. Exactly. How cool. Sleep record, right. sleep record. Like, yeah. Those are like the two That's things. That's all you're doing. <laughs> no food, no talking. Nothing just else. sleeping and recording. Sleeping and recording. That's like what I do here now. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's just like that. Yeah. I recorded and, uh, some stuff today, actually. You recorded some stuff and you slow cooked yeah. some pork. Which, did, did you, oh, yeah. I was killer. Dude, it's fun it to come home from a hard day at work Yeah, and have uh, have like dinner you know dinner just ready to roll so i always appreciate that yeah it's of nice. course it's nice yeah, the slow cooker is really easy um just throw some not hard at all yeah you throw in some chicken broth i guess you could use any kind of broth i just use chicken broth um you kind of you know saute some onions throw it in there yeah then you brown uh the pork shoulder get some uh nice rub on there some oh yeah salt, on like the some seasoned salt yeah, yeah pan. just brown it and then boom just Set it in there for like seven and a half hours. But you sent me that photo at like 10 a.m. when I was at work and I was like, oh shit, this is going to be really yeah. good by the time I get back. So, <clears throat> so yeah. We, yeah, we made some pulled pork sliders. Yeah. They're really good. You like, you get like a whole, you know, tray of those uh, like Hawaiian sweet rolls or whatever. Yeah, you, you cut, cut that them in half. half. You put some provolone. Provolone. Boom. Put the, uh, put the pulled pork on top, then put provolone on the top, and then you just bake it for like eight minutes, and it just, it's just so freaking good. <laughs> we were 
we were quite gluttonous. But anyway, yeah, I was in the studio. Um, and by studio, I mean like where we are right now. And I was record. Do you remember recording stuff last night? Yeah. Yeah. We. So I looked at that. There was one. Yeah, we we tried to record we did, uh, Sweet Soul song. Music and this new one that you're working on that I really like, but the Sweet Soul Music just sounded so bad because I re- recorded my guitar like straight into the input oh. and it just sounds like complete shit. Well, we did my vocals too. We decided we were going to do this at like 10. Oh, maybe later. <laughs> and I was like I was like singing like and you know when you record you're just singing in a room and no one else can hear the music except yeah. for you and your headphones. So I was like a little I was trying not to be but I was a little self-conscious of like how oh, my neighbors can hear me just like belting sweet soul music right yeah. now. And at 11 like, p.m. they're like Who what is this she doing? She is? Like what the fuck? Like so I didn't want to be a dick. Yeah. Um, well, bad news. We're probably going to have to re-record the whole thing over again. No, but, it's probably for the best. Um, but the point that like we're not really gonna record these right now to to uh release them necessarily these are like sketches where because we're gonna be recording an album coming up in the next few months it's like you record them in like a sketchbook sense so then you can hear what works and what doesn't work and if you can and if you have ideas by listening to it back then you can try out ideas and you're doing all this experimentation for free rather than being in the studio Ooh, and paying like $100 a hundred dollars an hour transition okay back to when quiet life <laughs> is talking about um when they recorded uh foggy um i think it was the uh daily beast article that i was reading um where they're talking about working with scott at slippery allowed us to really see and understand how unique their recording process is and um it was the first time we'd ever gone into the studio with the intention of writing a record on the fly and those dudes helped create an environment that allowed us to write in an extremely creative and efficient way their positive attitudes set the tone and um basically yeah uh Scott was so involved and excited in the writing process that it gave us the confidence in what we were making. So like if you're yeah. if you're a band that comes into the recording studio and first of all you have um the dude from Dr. Dog who's like one of yeah, your heroes. Scott. Yeah. Yeah, um and it's like Scott if you're out there, give us a call. <laughs> and it's like and he's going and you're sitting with him and you know you're like fuck, I just have these pieces of this song that I'm writing, but I'll just I'll pitch it to him and I'll see what he thinks. And then he's going, yeah, I like that. Yeah. You know, and he's like, he's creating the environment where it's okay to be a little unsure maybe. And it's okay yeah. to like be, be, yeah, be creative. Like what they're saying. And, uh, and, uh, also, also, you know, they say, um, uh, foggy's the first record where we were really able to take the time to experiment with different sounds, all that. Um, all things that most bands, including us recording records, uh, they're usually, you know, we're usually concerned they're wasting time and money on that kind of stuff mm. where they're like experimenting in the studio. Like we yeah. wouldn't do that. If we went no, in we to we pay four grand and record, that, yeah. we, we couldn't be like, let's try fucking playing it faster. <laughs> like, or let's try putting this accordion in here. And he said that the mentality was never, we have to get this part done. It was like, Hey, there's five guitars on the wall and four weird keyboards over there. Let's try them all. Yeah. That's what he says about it. I think and it really I think it really speaks How cool. Yeah, I think yeah. it really speaks to the way Dr. Dog is too, because if you listen to Dr. Dog, you can tell Well, I like to compare them to almost like a modern day Beatles because oh, yeah. they sound so different and they evolve throughout every song and every record. It's, they're it's not very eclectic. And, yeah, and you can tell that they're experimenting a lot with their sound. 
kind of like the Beatles did. And I guess they're doing that in Mount Slippery because they don't, they're not hamstrung by, you know, having to, well, but imagine if you have a studio with all the ability to record and you Mm -hmm. have all these creative people in there and all these different instruments and you just have time. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to come out with something great. And patience. Time and patience. It can be like, it can be, you can't just be like, we got to finish this fucking song. We just got to choose something. You know, I've fallen victim to that where like, I think we have a plan going in and then for whatever reason, the plan's not working. Then I'm like, damn it! How long are we going to spend on this song? You know, and it's easy to. Oh, fall and you into get that. really sick of your yeah. own songs too. You're yeah. just like, I have been fucking singing and writing this forever. Let's just, let's just, let's just go with that fucking bridge. Yeah. You know, like let's just go with the bridge we wrote. You know, yeah. first. And that's definitely not the way to go. It's about not, it. but it, yeah. it happens. Um, and so it sounds like they had a lot of time and they could kind of stretch out and try some different stuff. Um, can I tell you how I first? I I, th- I had this memory today. Um, how I first found Dr. Dog. Oh, yeah. <laughs> how I first heard them. Um, they have an album called 10 Songs for You. And it was like this little like sealed, you know, those like uh, cardboard albums, CDs oh, yeah, yeah, where yeah, they're yeah, not yeah. even like, yeah, they're like cardboard basically. Yeah. Um, and it was like laminated and it has like a uh, guy playing trumpet on it. Anyway, when I <laughs> used to be going to like DVC, it came out in 2008. So it was right about the right time. Um, you know, Half Price Books in downtown Concord? Yeah. Where we're from, um, downtown Concord. I went to buy. Book. I went to buy uh, some books, and I was buying the books. I wish I remembered what book. It's not as symbolic without that, but I don't remember. And they said, "Oh, here's a free CD with your purchase," and it was a fucking Doctor Dog CD. Huh. Ten songs for your ten Doctor Dog songs for you. It's not on Spotify, but if you Google, it'll come up. It has like Alaska on it. Uh, and that's the first song little, I heard, and it was on a mixtape that you gave me, like a mix. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> die, 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 which is I don't want to die in your arms. I just want to die. Yeah, they're. Yeah, so I guess they've been around since. They've been around 1999. a while. But like, I look back at that now because I I remember they like handed me the CD at the register. They're like, "Here's your free CD." <laughs> And I was like, what is, okay. And I popped it in my car and boom, I was a Dr. Dog fan. Yeah, and I don't know awesome. what kind of marketing that would translate to now, but that's pretty fucking damn good marketing. Yeah, I wonder how. Just free CDs. They I were just to- like, oh, you bought some books. Here's here's a CD. I wonder how that happened. I don't know how that happened. Like that or Dr. That Dog is like, going to hear this and be like, what? And it was like Half Price Books was just like, we have a ton of these CDs. We just got to <laughs> give them away. I don't know how it happened, but that's how I, how I got their first, uh. That little weird Man. CD. Well, speaking of Dr. Dog, this next track we're going to play, Lost in the Light, uh, is off of Foggy also, 2016 album. And you can really hear Scott McMicken from Dr. Dog in this. He does the, he does the backup vocals. He has in such it. a um, distinct Very distinct voice. voice, yeah. I love it. Yeah. So kind of high and yeah. nasally. I love it. It, um, it's such a, it is a very unique voice. I'll just leave he, it at it that. It sounds really good. I'm used to him singing like... Uh, lead like where'd all the time go yeah when it's him but when he's backing somebody up like another kind of male voice yeah. or whatever it it sounds it, it balances really so well i actually because it's so distinct i actually don't agree with that because i think because really? it's so distinct it's hard for him to blend is my I think opinion on it in the song we're about to play lost in the light i think it fucking works it sounds good because it, it has character to it yeah but it's not it's not like you can listen to it and not realize it you know what i mean you can't Uh, like you can't pretend like it's the same singer you can't it because when i think of so when i try to think of backup vocals depending on the setting like i'll think of it as kind of like 
the fog over a lake in the morning or something where it's not the actual water, but it's like just barely on top uh, of the water. Yeah. And where the main vocal is like the actual thing and then hovering above it is the back of vocal. So sometimes you can feel it before you really even realize that you're hearing it. Does that make sense? Oh, I'll re-listen to songs and be like, Oh, there's like a yeah. There's this high backup that I ne- I didn't notice, and it's just yeah. it's just supporting. But you know, this on, one on, is yeah. On this another one's... side of that coin, like in this song, I also really like it when there's a male singer and a female backup singer, or a female singer and a male backup singer, or we can just go with high low. But it's usually like yeah. the difference between male and female voices, and I think that they sound really good together sometimes. Yeah, and I think Scott Even also has his like own. Well, he has a really high. Well, he has his own sections in the songs. I'm talking about like there are parts in the song where he sings the lead part. So I think this is more of like a, of like a duet almost than a, than a backup vocal thing. Although he is serving backup vocals in the beginning, you'll hear that he eventually does his own thing. But um, yeah, anyway, this song's called "Lost in the Light." So you got your wheels back now And a reason to fly To get lost in the light Waving in the summer breeze So you got your wheels back now And a reason to fly To get lost in the light To get lost in the light Right by your side Ain't no use in denying Some things so right and free It's been a year or more And I've been gone You've been heavy on my mind I've been up until dawn back 
This song, like I talked about before, they're big travelers. He's always on the road. And it's harking back to, uh, he's saying, it's been a year or more now I've been gone. That's their bridge and the end of their verses, you know. it's uh, You've been heavy on my mind. I've been up until dawn. Um, there's a verse in the song. So today at work, <laughs> as I was not working and reading about quiet How dare life, you? How dare you? <laughs> I finished my work at like time three theft, Emily. and i was just like you know what I'll, I'll answer the phone when it rings i had a really angry british guy call me today and he was like <laughs> really pissed off but I he didn't had no those he existed. had a posh like a posh like london accent and it was i can't do it but it was like i was like not even offended because i was, that was like, better than normal though usually you just go straight like, oh, i've been Swedish. calling over and over like, okay then it went into that scottish irish. <laughs> yeah that was that was like irish that's why scottish. i shouldn't do it but anyway um that was just uh yeah, so he distracted me at one point with his call, but um, <laughs> distracted you. <laughs> his his beautiful uh, London accent. But he was pissed, huh? He was mad because he couldn't get a hold of somebody that works uh, at my winery, and it was really awkward because I was like, I don't want to give you his info anyway. Yeah. Um, one of those awkward work things, you know. Yeah. And uh, so, uh, so there's a so what I was doing, I was like uh, trying to pull up the lyrics for the songs we were going to look at. And I was like, okay, none of their lyrics are on Google anywhere. <laughs> like, no. I can't find We've had that problem anything. a few times. <laughs> well, yeah. Cause these are sm- like the point of this podcast yeah. is we're taking these kind of bands that aren't necessarily small, um, but they are, they need, we want more people to hear them. It's just the end of the day. Um, so sometimes it means that, uh, yeah, you can't find a lot online about them. Um, so I was listening to their songs and then typing out the lyrics. So I do have a doc on my Google Docs called Quiet Life Lyrics. <laughs> it's got about six songs. Um, so I'm, I'm re- I hope I'm hearing, that, hearing it right. Uh, but the second verse, um, I was typing it out. And when I finished typing it out, it, rhin- it reminded me so much of a, of a Bob Dylan song that I have to talk about it. So he says... Uh, where you go tonight, I won't stop you. I won't doubt you or try to control you. No, I would give you peace. And when you're on the line, I think he's saying on the line, I won't keep you. I won't keep you, will not stray or try to deceive you. I'll just let you be. So he's saying, I won't stop you. I won't doubt you. I won't try to control you, all this stuff. Reminds me of the Bob Dylan song. <laughs> I ain't looking to compete with you, beat or cheat or mistreat you, simplify you, classify you, deny, defy or crucify you. Baby, all I really want to do is be friends with you. Uh, that's that's one of my favorite Bob Dylan songs. And the Aww. whole song, I ain't looking to fight with you, frighten you or uptight and you, drag you down or drain you down. Anyway, the whole song is in that um, vein. <laughs> he yeah. kind of, in that second verse, he kind of does that little, like, I won't, I don't know. I, You're he's talking got, about Bob Dylan right uh, No, Quiet Life. Okay. In that second verse, he kind of harkens to the All I Really Want to Do song. And I don't think he's doing it on purpose, but he's got, I mean, be. he's got to be a Bob of, Dylan fan, right? They've got some right? Bob Dylan vibes. Like, yeah. We're, the next song we're going to play is like super Bob Dylan-y. It, yeah. Like, it has, it's one of my, it, yeah. It has like a blowing in the wind, like. Which feel. one are we playing <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're playing Skin and Bones next, but oh, we'll get yeah. we'll get to that. We don't yeah, need to we'll rush get into there, it. But um, yeah, I definitely. It's funny because uh, his 
Foggy, the album is definitely, um, there's a little more, uh, space for the sound to come in. Mm -hmm. Uh, but his previous albums, I noticed they're really, the lyrics are really, um, jammed in there. There's tons of lyrics. It's almost like, um, you know, like a lot of early Bob Dylan, Johnny's in the basement, mixing up the medicine. Like the whole song is like him rhyming. It's almost like, yeah. Um, it's almost like he's just reading poetry, but it's it's a lot of uh, lyrics. And that's then, kind of like a rock and roll thing too. Like I I always think of uh, like Little Richard or something like that, where they're kind of it almost sounds like rapping in a way because like, yeah, they're saying say rapping, things so like, quickly, not, yeah. but they're singing it to like a melody, obviously. So it's yeah. like not rapping. And you're you're per rhyming se, words but, within the. Well, he he does it in uh, the song we just played. He goes, "Yeah, she's back, Jack. Yeah, like she back, Jack. Yeah. yeah, for real, she's right by your side." Um, so he's kind of rhyming things within the. So you can tell he comes from that kind of form of songwriting. And when you listen to his early stuff, and we'll we'll play something, it's like, oh man, he's there's he he really is uh, doing a lot of uh, work and heavy lifting with the uh, song lyrics and the, and the flow it's a, it's of a the great lyrics way to and write, the rhyming. It's a great way to write lyrics too and then get out of having to rhyme it again in the end. Like if you yeah. want to like switch the rhyme so the last part of your sentence or whatever doesn't yeah. have to match like the scheme, right. you can like rhyme some words in the middle and then when you say yeah. the rhyme in the end that doesn't <laughs> sound like it rhymes, you're like... I can get away with it because I just hit it twice already. So yeah, well, the idea and then you can I guess transition of, to a different scheme. So. I guess I, you know, it's I guess the idea of like poetry and and the way songs are written and why they're um, appealing to our ears is because they are making similar sounds and it's cohesive in our brain and we're like, oh, yeah. it's 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 all kind of coming together and it's really satisfying when things rhyme and if you're rhyming a bunch of stuff in one verse. Like that's like uh, the notorious B.I.G. Yeah, just like fucking that. amazing. Yeah. Um, it's just like wow. Like it just it kind of it kind of your your brain just really likes it. It's you know? funny the way that your brain does that. Not just, just with likes it. lyrics, but it also <laughs> does it like familiar things your brain likes. So yeah. In when it comes to music, like you like I one four I, five. We love one four five. Yeah, we love one four your five. Your brain chord loves it. Generally, we love. English, you know, music with English. Like, it's very, like, the, what's yeah. that song that came out we were talking about? The Spanish one, Despacito? Or, Despacito. Yeah, like, that was like the first Spanish hit, like, in America. Like, well, there top, was La Bamba. Top song. Well, yeah. La <laughs> Let's but, not forget I mean, La Bamba. Other than that, I mean, it's been pretty few and far between, and it's just because people gravitate towards songs with language they're familiar with, with chord progressions they're familiar with. I love with. that Despacito was so yeah. huge because people are just like, this is a really, really good yeah. song. And with like yeah. instrumentation they're familiar with, yeah. guitars, bass, keyboard, drums. Yeah. like People like that because generally their favorite band, whatever it was back in the day, is probably going to have you know a good amount yeah. of those guitars, bass, whatever. Well, like I said, that solo and live so wire reminds me of, yeah, it reminds me of Abbey Road and I don't know why, but that yeah. solo, like it just reminds me of like Octopus's Garden or something, mm-hmm. as, which is not on Abbey Road. But anyway, um, <laughs> but anyway, um, so yeah, um, so I feel like him as a songwriter, uh, just listening to his sort of progression of songwriting, it's like he started off with this kind of, uh, where he had a lot, I don't know if he had a lot to say or he just liked kind of um, putting a lot more content in his songs as far as lyrics and really, um, uh, how do I say, like, not over explaining, but like um, 
trying to really tell a full story. Like mm-hmm. here's all the details, and he's doing a lot of cool details in his first albums where he's uh, he's really creating. Just like the Felice Brothers we're talking about, it's like a full storyline, beginning, middle, end. There's characters, there's details. He's being very um, visual with it, talking mm-hmm. about what he's looking at, what he's seeing. And then you look at Foggy and it's like, it's very minimal lyric wise. Mm-hmm. There's like maybe a verse and like a chorus yeah. and like maybe two verses. I think that um, speaks to what he was talking about in that little documentary. And the music is really coming yeah. through and like he's allowing the music to carry those lyrics and, and, and he's simplifying. He's but simplifying yeah, what he's saying. The lyrics. Or I how think, he's saying it. I think that goes to show what he was saying in that uh, little documentary we watched where he was like... um. I have sketches and I have like yeah. all of my journals and I have like sketches of songs, yes. but they don't feel complete yet. So instead of having these fully fleshed out um, in, in terms of fully fleshed lyrical out. Uh, songs where there's, yeah. you know, it's like a Bob Dylan song. There's five verses, there's six verses. And you're just like, this is, he's really, he's really doing a lot of, again, heavy lifting with lyrics and uh-huh. sitting down and like writing the song out and it's very well crafted. But then, yeah, he came into the, for foggy and he just maybe yeah. let those ideas get more sketch sketches of it and i think it's fine because the they still the have blanks? verses and and the thing is is there's also like in this album there's a lot of uh similar chord progressions and stuff like that too where they build like i yeah. was mentioning earlier and i think that also kind of speaks to it being uh sketch like sketched out in a way and it's coming from a sketch like a smaller idea rather than having a fully fleshed out idea so they have a small idea and then they build on it with experimentation in the studio and right. the rehearsal in the rehearsal room with uh you know they're all their different brains picking at it because yeah. it it's tough to go from a sketch of a song you don't really know where it's going to go and then all of a sudden it's a you know, it's going to have two bridges and a verse yeah. and an outro and a and, and you don't you don't want to add more than it needs. Like yeah. we have some songs where it's like we've written it together. Uh, Fourth Lake is a great example yeah. where it's like this song doesn't need a bridge. Maybe it, a little instrumental thing, be, but yeah, we would just be forcing yeah. a bridge on this song or uh, yeah. hold on or no, sorry, hold on has a bridge. Uh, that's not the one I was thinking of. Uh, yeah, I guess it does have a bridge. Kind of. Vices didn't have a bridge until we just wrote one. But I like. I think it was a natural bridge that yeah. we wrote. But yeah, Fourth Lake, it was like, I felt like we didn't, and you did too. It's like, ah, we're, we just be forcing a bridge. This can stay simple. But I think, you know, as far as songwriting, I think the, I I mean, I'm still learning. Let's be clear. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to preach well, or anything. Always learning. But I think that the balance you want to really find is when you write a song and you're you're telling a story with a song, you want it to be as... Um, audibly um, exciting as it is lyrically exciting so that they come together to tell a story. Mm-hmm. So you're using the sound of your voice, you're using the sound of the instruments to create the mood as well as the lyrics. So it's not just like we're going to do a train beat and some you know simple guitar yeah. and we're going to tell the story 100% through the lyrics. It's like that's cool, that's fucking great, you yeah. know. Um, but I I also love when the actual um, sound of everything matches the it, like facilitate the, vibe of the, the it, lyrics like facilitate you. the music and, and they and really do a good, they do a really good job of that in the song Summer of Sixteen Ooh. where it's like very whimsical the chord progression it's like a very sad it's an innately sad chord progression when you hear it 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 feels longing 
Um, and the lyrics are also longing too. Where do you um, go? So, yeah, yeah. So the it captures the lyricism perfectly. That's with exactly the chord like when you have a song that sounds like the feeling you're trying to, mm-hmm. um, uh, get across. Yeah. Like you've you fucking nailed it. You the, fucking the hit that nail. The thing is with music and art in general is it has to be nuanced. Like you can't like pl- like you can't have like this sad song with like these sad lyrics and then you're just over the top sad with the music around it, you know? Well, it reminds me of like we talk about the Beatles too much, but like uh they have a lot of like earlier songs that sound really happy. Like yeah. you're gonna lose that. Yes, yes, you're gonna lose that girl. It's like that's a sad you're you're telling your friends something sad. <laughs> yeah. And that I think that's a great I think that's a great thing to do too is to have sad lyrics and have like a really uplifting music. Yeah, like I, guess I it's, like doing it's, fast. No, it's it's totally yeah. interesting. It's totally interesting. I'm not shading on the Beatles in any way. Yeah. Also, I just realized I think that song they're they're trying to say that he's gonna steal the girl. Is like think about Hold On, our song, for yeah. example. It's really upbeat and like almost like bubblegum. Yeah. But then when you listen to the lyrics, it's it's just about like not being good enough for somebody, but you hoping that one day you might be, so you're holding on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, or Bound to Change. Yeah. Bound to Change is a great example of that. But I think, I think you you run the risk of getting too theatrical if you're no, like I'm, over so the top sad to and be, your lyrics are sad too. To be too. clear, I'm not, I don't, and with songwriting too, I also don't ever think you should really be trying too hard to reach to do any specific yeah. sound it should just kind of be coming naturally and flowing you know Buk- i've quoted bukowski before but he said um he said he's like if you're sitting at the typewriter trying to write you're not a writer it should just be flowing out of you to where you need a typewriter around you all the time like when you're on the train and you need a fucking typewriter because oh, you're like oh i need it's a little <laughs> it's a little <laughs> dramatic because no but it's i love that he's like don't sit and try at it too hard and don't sit and try to write a song that's no. like oh, i'm gonna write this sad song and it's gonna be fucking sad i don't mean like write a sad song and then try to make it sound sad no, i no, just no, mean no. when you achieve that where it's like oh man the music sounds yeah. like the emotion and the lyrics and it all matches together that's the perfect song i think when it comes to bukowski talking about doing that it's like as always, there's like a nuanced approach to it. There's like, obviously, if you're just sitting there like trying, trying, trying to do something, there's doing and there's trying, right? Like, right. But at the same time, I how many times have you painted something awesome or written a great song because you're like, fuck, I wouldn't have done this generally, but no, I really I, need to play guitar. So I I'm going to sit down sit, and play guitar. I and, have to force myself to yeah. sit and start a painting. And then, so I, kinda, and then I love it. That kind of goes against what he's saying. Cause he's like, Oh, if you feel like you need to sit down well, and do this. But he was also of a time when it's like, I've never been the guy who was like, Oh my God, I need to play guitar right now. Cause the music's flowing out of me. And, you know, <laughs> I've never, but I think that that, I think that that exists. Maybe it's romantic, but also yeah. he was living in a time he was born in like 1905 or something. So he was born in wait, that's, a huge huge factor it's like if i didn't have netflix to come home to and i didn't have my computer to sit at or my phone to look at Mm -hmm. after dinner i would like you have to entertain yourself i think you do more creative stuff i think you do kind of paint a lot or you just drink and you (laughs) you know talk which is cool like i like to think about like back before television when like did families just come home and they just like chat it like what did what did everyone do I think dad told everyone to be quiet, read the newspaper, and I don't mom know. finally took her heels off at 11 p.m. It's yeah. fucking bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
bullshit. Yeah. No, but uh, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's and we always, you know, it's like ugh. it's easy. It's so it's easy, easy to, to romance. It's easy to romanticize all that, but it is. It is easy yeah. to be like, man, Bukowski. He was just like, and the thing is, is he could have easily. I know a lot of musicians and a lot of guys who they need to have the guitar with them all the time. Like they just can't function without it. Yeah. And that's a totally real thing. And maybe Bukowski was that way where he was like, the words were flowing out of him. Yeah. And he needed a typewriter. It wasn't that yeah. he like ever had to, you know, wake up in the morning and go, man, I should really write some today. All right, I'm going to sit down and uh, see what happens. I'm sure he had days like that. Yeah. I'm sure he had days where he Everyone, was, every artist and he was does. a big drinker and he was always working blue collar jobs. So his, the fact that, so he's super prolific. Um, and they're still like releasing books of his poetry that it's like, oh shit, we found, you know, some old girlfriend of Bukowski sent us a bunch of these poems and it's just like, That's oh, gnarly. So he's super prolific. And I think I've read all of his novels and his bio- autobiography I've read three fucking times, but he, um, he was super prolific. And so that makes me think like, okay, so he's working all day and he's drinking all night. And so he's finding time to write. He's writing and drinking guaranteed. Oh, hundred <laughs> percent. Oh, hell yeah. But yeah. he, yeah. Anyway, it's, so he definitely, he's, he's taking the time and making the time cause he has to. Yeah. And he's also, and what writers do and what I think musicians, what any artist has to do is also experience things to write about. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you can't just be like, I'm just a musician and I don't, you know, or I'm just that's an artist. My, like you have yeah. to go live life. You have to go get hurt a little well, that's bit. That's why my songs suck so go much meet in high people. school. Because I wanted like my lyrics were so bad because like you, you when I was 15, yet. 14, I hadn't done anything, but I wanted yeah. to be cool. So I wanted to like write these lyrics like I was cool and the experiences were cool in the songs, right. but they were fake. Like they were, yeah. they weren't real. They were just like imagined of what would be cool. You know, they're yeah. not like actual real hard, hard felt earned emotions. And oh, earned you have feelings. to have your heart broken to yeah. write a heartbreak song for sure. Don't and get me uh, wrong, middle school was rough. Dude, it's the worst three years yeah. of my life. Yeah. To middle this school day. is rough. Um, well, and I think, and that, uh, I've, we've said this before, but it's like when I'm way too happy and content with everything, it's when I'm not writing well either. Yeah. Cause you're just like, there's no, there's no conflict in your life. Like great writing needs. Carl said that to me. Cause I was like, I'm going to try. I, I like was trying to write like a novel, like, you know, like we all do. And I was telling uh, Carl about it and he was like, well, you need conflict. Every good, every good story has needs conflict. You need, you, you know. need a, you need a crippling meth addiction. Emily. Yeah. That's what you need. <laughs> That's my next step. Uh, just gonna get thrown out by Tom and live on the rough streets of St. Helena. It's gonna be fun. Yeah. It's gonna be fun. Um, but yeah, it, I think when you're, when you're too, when rough. you're too like happy and content, it's, it's really hard to pull inspiration. I mean, I mean, guess I I can write songs about being happy, sure, but it's just not as interesting. Yeah, I uh, I I was recording my buddy Curtis um, last month. It was probably about a month ago. I, I've been working on his tunes, and a lot of his songs are a little conflicted too. But his his songs are kind of like about um, what is this life about? Like, what are we gonna? Where are we gonna end up in this life? Like, where am I gonna end up in this life? Like, like yeah. that kind of. Uh, it's not whimsical, but it's more it's existential. It's, yeah, existential yeah, anxiety. And that guy, he I just lived it. in Spain for like fucking five years or something like that. Yeah. So he's like still discovering himself and where he yeah. wants to do. And this is kind of something that I've recently, you know, stumbled upon. Um, first, getting laid off, and then you know, leaving my old my next job. 
It's just like, is this what life is going to be? Just like working these random ass jobs That's and total, having yeah. no satisfaction. And it's like, I always, I always think that one CW Stone King Larry, it's, it's like, can't be satisfied no matter what I do. It's yeah. like, I, I feel, I, and his is about religion and like going, you know, going to God or whatever. But CW for me, King. yeah, for me, it's not about going to God. <laughs> like, I need to. Oh, it's not? No, it's not about <laughs> going to church. Uh, it's yeah. it's more about just finding Your a, purpose. a lasting meaning and a yeah. purpose. And yeah. I think one of the most important things as a human being to create happiness and obtain happiness in your life is to have a purpose that you're striving towards. God, there's a quote. and I It doesn't matter what it is, oh. as long as it's something that you care about and it's a purpose, a it's, goal. Yeah, it's going to kill me, but there's a great quote. It's not Jack Kerouac. Maybe it is. I, somebody says, uh, I'll look it up during the next song, but they say, I just want to, my goal is just to wake up in the morning and go to bed at night and feel good about everything in between. Oh. That's cute. You know, just feel good about, and, and it doesn't necessarily mean to be like, I want to have a really good day every day. That's not what he means. Yeah. It just means, you know, I, I don't want to spend eight hours doing something that I don't care about, like a fucking desk job no, or whatever. No, And it's, because it, it's, yeah, it's. I've never yeah. felt like I was, it, you only get like, and this sounds so typical to say, but you only get one shot at this thing, you, you know? Only and get one shot. Yeah, I know. I feel like I'm Eminem right now. <laughs> <laughs> hey but you great, only get, you only great get, song great you only song. get one chance at this and it's like i started doing the math of like how much time i was like no right, you can't so oh, i'm spending nine hours a day at work because you know they don't count lunch so it's like eight to five every day i'm like can i just leave at four and eat at my desk yeah and then, <laughs> like, and then there's you. an hour commute each way so i was leaving before seven getting there at eight working till five and then not getting home till six fifteen. so then I realized there's only like an hour I'm awake before I start that process. And there's only like three hours I'm awake after that process. So right. really, my life has boiled down to three hours a day where I'm frantically trying to like shove food in my face. Um, exercise. Exercise and just like decompress. Do something, decompress, you know? do something like... Um, do something that you feel is productive or yeah. meaningful. Like I'd play yeah. guitar for 30 minutes and, and you're like, Oh, I only but next thing you know, my eat. brain's firing like, Oh, maybe I can write this or do this or write this song. <sighs> and then I can't sleep. And the next thing you know, I'm like miserable the next day at work. And so I started doing the math on work and I was like, this is, this is not sustainable for yeah. me as a human being. Like I know that there's plenty of people out there who have, you know, their goal in life is to make all the money they can and get promoted. And that's where they well, find their happiness. But that's just, I realized supporting other recently, people. Which yeah. Is well, that too. something that we but that's, have the luxury of not worrying. Yeah. About. I realized that. Oh my God. That's Ow. just not me. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. He just had a cat jump Django on you. just jumped on freaked my her out. lap and scared me. Um, yeah, it, it, it began to get problematic for me. And and I have to figure out what I'm going to do in the future, obviously, because you can't just, you know, be a you can't just be a musician. You have to actually make money somehow. Like if you could make money being a musician, that's that's incredible. But you a lot of the times people have to finance their passion, you know? Yeah. And I still have to figure out exactly what I'm going to do, but I got time and. Well, I, do you I know what hear, I don't want to do. Do you want to hear an inspiring quote? Absolutely, from, I do. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I need all the inspiring from Sean, from I can Livewire? get. Yeah, yeah. Um, what do you What do you say about that, Sean? They're talking about him uh, 
going uh going on the road or whatever going to play music and he says you get to a certain point where it feels like you're in too deep and there's no turning back where you do something because it's all you know it's all you know how to do um that's kind of how i feel about touring um that's that's the thing that a lot of musicians don't get the credit they deserve because traveling to play music is tough. Personally, I think it's great and I love it. But so he's talking about touring specifically, yeah. but I like that you get to a certain point where it's like, there's no turning back because it's all you know how well, to do anymore. I mean, that's how I felt like with my career. It was like, I, like, I wasn't, this is all I have to do. I was in insurance from 25 to 31. Are you passionate about insurance? No, Stuart? I fucking oh, hated not? it. But to my, <laughs> like to the outside world, my resume is like, musician and insurance guy and it's like oh i'm like waitress receptionist yeah so, and yep, it's like okay. fucking hard to like <laughs> break into maybe there is a different career path that i would genuinely enjoy but the fact is is i don't feel like i'm necessarily qualified to do these other things huh. i don't have experience in these other fields and on top of that i don't have like an awesome degree in like engineering i have a fucking music degree so i love that, that just you have a further, music degree you oh, should have i mean i'm glad degree. that i did but yeah. it doesn't do me any favors when i'm trying to find a career path you know yeah it sounds so sounds boring basically i i've just been like man we, why don't we just focus on this music thing and see what happens so. why not we'll go back to the betsy advice life is pretty long yeah spend a year focused on something i think i was yeah. talking about like spending six months in Prague and I'm like oh but I have this going on and it's a lot of time and she's like dude six months in the span of your life or a year is nothing yeah. it's a drop in the bucket just do like just lifelong fill it up with stuff well, so hey if you want to spend a year going I'm just going to go full 100% yeah. music that's fucking that's it's a I great idea I figured I can always you're going to only regret reattach myself to some it. ball and chain desk job at any you point. can it's always there yeah. dude it's yeah. always there but anyway, um, enough about my my <laughs> life. What's our next tune that we're so at? we're gonna play um, a song off of their one of their their second to most recent album. So they've had four full length albums, and I think they also had a song called like the House Broken Man EP, which was yeah. Actually, we should probably talk about it now that it came up. Um, House Broken Man is like the song that they did with my morning jackets, Jim James and shovels and, and ropes, Carrie Ann Hurst. I love so Jim that's, James's so voice so much. House Broken Man is like the song that's kind of got traction for them. Right. It's that's like got on, their like 7 million plays oh, on yeah, Spotify. Yeah. And that's then the like rest is the like, bulk yeah. of their plays that's is awesome. House Broken Man. And it seems to be on uh, like a popular playlist or something like that. So that's how it gets the play from Spotify anyway. Right. But House Broken Man is... Uh, we weren't sure about the license. We wanted to play, but we weren't sure about the licensing to it because probably better Jim James and Carrie Ann Hurst might have had a hand in writing it too. So we didn't get permission from them to right. play their music, but we did get permission from <laughs> from Sean. Yeah, thanks, so, Sean. Yeah. Um. So this next one though, uh, is called Skin and Bones, and this is the one that I was talking about that kind of sounds like a folk, like an old folk singer songwriter throwback, like old Bob Dylan in yes, the like early sixties. About being on the road, or it starts yeah. that way anyway. This um, and then it talks about you know, and then it, it you know, this is an ex existential song because he's talking about being on the road, and he's talking about the feeling right now. And uh, and he's talking about um, feel the cold wind blowing, really should get going. Train rolling by is all I hear. How he's kind of moving, moving, moving. Um, and uh, 
And then he starts talking about when the pages turn and I'm tucked inside my urn. So he's he's talking about the length of his life. Yeah. Um, so That's a great line. Pages yeah. turn, tucked inside Dude, my there's, urn. There's a million of these great yeah. lines. Um, I'm not one for stealing, one for lying or for cheating, but I got the devil and he's making me a deal. He's got, it's it's a really well-written song. And um, and it definitely, yeah, when the soul, when the sun it sets and my soul is put to rest, skin and bones, waste of flesh no more. Anyway, I should stop so, <laughs> quoting the lyrics and we can just play so the song. Also, the thing about this song that's cool is it does build like their other songs. Totally builds. Yeah. Um, it starts out, but it, it builds solely with guitars, which is kind of cool. Like it yeah. starts out with just an acoustic strumming guitar. Right. And then in the second verse or so, I think it's the second verse, there's like you can hear like a capoed uh, finger picking guitar yeah. in, that joins in. And then eventually like there's like a slide guitar that comes in. And it, it kind of adds a little bit of variation to the melodic qualities of the tune. Because yeah. usually when it's just acoustic guitar and singing, the only melody is the fucking voice singing. Yeah. So it's great to have like an alternative melodic uh, source. So the yeah. slide guitar comes in and starts playing some lead stuff in the middle. And then it goes back to the uh, finger picking and uh, yeah. strumming. But yeah, it, it they do this so well or they build songs and... And, yeah. uh, and this, this is, is another example, but more in the singer-songwriter vein. Yeah, and it's 2013, so three years before yeah, off the, the album, album we've Wild been playing. Punk. right? Yeah. All right, so yeah, Skin and Bones by Quiet Life off Wild Pack. I got a real good reason for the way that I've been feeling. Got a good seat waiting behind the wheel. songs are leaving. I got a demon and it's biting in my heels. Got a demon and he's biting oh, at my heels. Feel the cold wind blowing, really should get going. Train rolling by, it's all I hear. I'm not one for stealing, one for lying, or for cheating, but I got the devil and he's making me a deal. great about the structure of that song that i just noticed even though i fucking typed out the lyrics today is there's there's no chorus no it's, it's all just, verses yeah, yeah it's just four verses and they just kind of uh roll and he repeats the last line of each verse like 
that's that's almost like an old school like folk or blues yeah method. That's, what I, that's the feeling i was getting. yeah where it's like it doesn't it doesn't need this uh chorus and yeah it's it's a really it's a, got a beginning middle end he's really telling the story and that, i really yeah. love it i mean it makes me think about what they're doing now because that song i'm not 100 percent sure the lyrics but like you were saying um you're more of the lyric person than me and, and you were saying like it has to do a lot with you know the period of one's life and well he's kind of starts off real carefree i got a real good reason for the way that i've been feeling got a good seat waiting behind the wheel so he's on the road all yep, the time on the road. and he's not really maybe you know worried about you know what's going to happen tomorrow he's kind of happy he's got the highway humming in my ears um but then he says he's got this demon and it's biting in my uh my. biting in my ears <laughs> um and maybe it's like this little nagging Get thing just like you have where it's like hey everything's real carefree right now like i'm on the road i'm playing music but at the back of his head he's going what about when oh, I, I have the shit what all about the time, yeah what about i was like i couldn't sleep yesterday when I'm morning old or dead or, no exactly yeah. i had this thing when i like and he ends with that will there be someone crying like, at my funeral kind of thing sleep yesterday um, morning i woke up at like six in the morning 6 30 in the morning um it, yeah like 7 30 because it was when i was getting making coffee. no i was up before oh you were that. Up before yeah, that i was yeah. just sitting in my bed like looking at my phone thinking but i was like thinking about my future i'm like what if i don't work for a year who's gonna hire me if i don't have work for a year you know they're gonna think i'm a loser yeah. and then i was like and what about my retirement when i'm old like and you like yeah. and it's not just me it's like everyone thinks about these things and that's why they get bullied into doing fucking careers that they hate because they're so worried about the future and public perception but also like you're saying some people get into situations where they're forced to provide um and yep. that sounds that sounds bad forced to provide sounds no. bad but they 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 are they have obligated a child to provide. or they have they need to provide they have or they have their parents that they have somebody yeah. they have to take care of or they just they don't have the luxury of like an education and all this stuff that maybe yeah. we do have where it's like they can't just you know i'm just gonna be a musician we have honestly we have friends that have done this in the bay area where it's like i'm just gonna be a musician even when they really don't have a solid uh backbone and, or a solid like some safety of them net have had some rough they have they've rough. been you know hey now i'm sleeping too. in my car hey now i'm you know yeah. I, i've had friend music musician friends tell me that where it's like oh well i'm just focusing on music right now so they're sleeping in their cars and they're or they're um you know doing whatever they have to do uh to survive and uh and i always kind of i always really respect that um because it's really living that dream but we uh well, it's kind of like being a professional athlete, right? Like being a musician, like everyone wants to be a professional athlete when they're growing up. But then like the actual percentage of people who become professional athletes, is like a very small, small, small. Well, that and it's like we've said before, it's 90% of like really, really, really behind the scenes, unglamorous working mm -hmm. bullshit or just like, yeah, not... <laughs> not and having any money or 401k and to like tell all your friends like oh, i'm gonna be a musician they're like good luck with that buddy you might as well tell them that you're gonna you know try out for the golden state warriors they're well like, the reality they're like yeah yeah okay yeah have fun with that buddy you know and they don't they don't necessarily take it seriously but i think there's, there's a, a lot of ways to be a working musician there though. is but there's also like but a it's lot hard you're hustling all the time the thing is about music and it also with you know athleticism like i was saying like these quote dream jobs is there, you can't fake it. You know, you can't fake being a good musician. You can fake being an accountant. You can fake being, yeah. you know. I've a, had some bad accountants in the companies guy. I've worked for. Or I'm like, come on. just. You can fake, <laughs> you know, being so many different things. But what you cannot fake 
is being a talented musician. You cannot right. fake being a hyper athletic individual. Like yeah. those are things you cannot fake. So there, the problem with, with music in general is it gets watered down a lot because there's so many artists out there that aren't necessarily, uh, let's just call it what it is. They're not that talented. They're not that appealing, whatever it is. And, you know, with, with athletes, they're just not athletic enough. They just aren't, you know, they're getting cut from teams. And the reason is, is they're not, you know, hitting the shots. They're not making the plays, whatever For me, it might with be. music, it's not even so much like if they sound good or if they, it, it's, it's a lot of its authenticity. Yeah. Like you could look at somebody like, well, who, who shall I pick on as an example? I was going <laughs> to say like Kurt Cobain, where it's like, yeah, he doesn't, he's not necessarily like a really great guitar player or a really, or a great, really singer. great singer, but watch him on stage and tell me he's not breaking your heart because of his yeah. authenticity and in his songwriting and his and his voice dude I can voice go and on, delivery on and on and i can't i can't get into it but what i'm saying is like <laughs> you know so like i just want to be clear it's like some people have that spark and that magic yeah and i've seen a lot of local musicians who have it and i'm just like fuck somebody pay attention to this guy or this mm -hmm. girl and then there's some that i've seen working really hard and doing it forever where i'm just like you don't you just don't have, have it, it. Yeah, and it's it. and it's like and they're they're trying and it's it's great but it's like they maybe they just wanted to be i don't know it, it what, wasn't what the right say? calling it's like when hard work meets talent that's when oh, I, yeah, I mean go. yeah yeah hard work meets talent that's that's when you get the superstars but and i don't want to like talk about people's art being bad i i always hate that it's like if they're doing it, they're doing the damn thing. They're getting out and playing guitar. Like, hell yeah, I'm proud of them. But it's just like there's some people that I see that are like so moving and authentic that I'm just, it, it, it's, it rises above mm -hmm. the other people that are just working and playing the open mics and, you know. But what bums me being out a about part-time musician, kind of the music scene with part-time musicians specific, specifically and not so much the people in our uh, community right. that are you know younger and they're going for it and they right. really want it to happen and they're writing original music and they're you know pouring their heart out right what bums me out are the artists that are are kind of in between things they're not you know successful uh independent artists right and they're also not up-and-coming artists they're kind of like i don't know weekend warrior types because yeah. then they they go to a venue and they're like yeah i'll play this venue for for free. We, I have a real job. I don't really need money from this. I just want to, I just want to play. <laughs> and the next thing you know, when your band is, and this is your life and you're trying to get a gig and you're trying to get paid like, you know, 600 bucks. Oh, it's a bucks, nightmare. And they're like, like, oh, well, well, we'll just have Joe's dad band play for free next. Like we don't, we don't need you. <laughs> we don't and have then to pay all musicians, sudden, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's Dude, like it's, tough yeah. for bands to get paid because then these like weekend warrior bands are like really watering down the market well it's their hobby it's like if if wedding photography was your hobby but yeah. you were good at it and you could be like yeah i'll do wedding photography no, i'll it. do it for free you could be bad at and it then it's too. like well a real wedding photographer who this is their life wants to make you know this much because that's yeah. how much time it takes and that's how much blah 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 or whatever and it all it's it's a it's a reasonable number for what they're providing but then somebody goes no i'll just i'll just do it for free because it's for it's fun yeah. for me it's fun yeah. for me and and that happens with music too where people, oh, no, it's just fun. it's just fun for me it and happens it's like, all no, the time. There's with music. people that this is their. I almost. Yep, I couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. But. I know. I, I almost wish there was like some kind of band agreement where it's like it's like all for one, one for all. Like, look, no one's playing your venue if you're not paying bands. No one's doing it, and then we just have an agreement, you know. 
Um, there's always somebody ruining it for everybody there's else. There's always someone. Can you imagine, like, take any job and just try to imagine that there's people roving around being like, no, I'll be an accountant for eight hours a day for free. No, I'll do it for free. It's fine. And it's just like, I'll sell jeans at the Gap for free. And then it's yeah. just like, you're you're asking for minimum wage and you feel like an asshole? Yeah. Wait a second. Like, if there was, like, if there was <laughs> like, like a band union, you know what I mean? Like, there's, like, plumbers <laughs> union. Like, there's, like, a, there's, like, all I don't these know, unions. Man, I've been in a union. Uh, yeah, I don't no, know. I've not been in a union. But at the same time, it's like, like you were saying, it, like, Who's to prevent, let's say I'm going to my soulless insurance job, but then right. there's just some fucking guy who's like, I'll do it for, I'll half do it for that. free. I or love free. insurance. I love it. It's my, it's my hobby. It's and my I'm passion. Just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I mean, it's, it kind of fucks God, my shit over. No, it's, and it's very unique to musicians and I guess maybe like artists and photographers is a great example of people that are mm-hmm. trying to make a living. And then other people are like, photography is my hobby. So I'll just, uh, I'll just do it for you. I, I, I don't know. It's. I but, just pay pay the artist. <laughs> That's all we're trying to say. Well, we, in all fairness, we hired uh, Corey um, Collington, the guy who did most of our photography, and we didn't we didn't pay him. But well, but he's coming up. Like I've been photographing bands with my because I got this new camera. And I'm trying to figure it out. So I'm just like, hey, like I photographed Roxy Rawson and I photographed yeah. the originals, and it's like I'm just trying to fucking learn my camera. And yeah. I got some really good photos for them, but yeah, no I way think, I'm charging them. I'm, yeah, he might maybe he got it. Some nice uh, catalog. What, what's the word? Um, well, the point is you're building your uh, resume, portfolio. your portfolio. That's the word I was looking for. I'm, I'm not trying to be a photographer, um, but I want to get good at it. Um, you're that hobby photographer I'm not, that you're I'm not asshole. <laughs> no, but for me, it's like I'm not going to ask anybody to pay me because it's like I can't guarantee I'll get any good photos because, dude, photographing bands on stage, and I'm not breaking any news here for anybody that's tried photography, but it's like photographing moving people in dark light and they're all in different lights like the guitar player has this light this person has a spotlight the drummer's in the fucking dark like it's so hard to photograph a band like i have so much respect for anybody that's ever done it because i took like 400 photos at the roxy rosson show and i had like 30 that were i really enjoy our brother's photography of our alex is great that's that's our brother's kind of um creative uh outlet is is photography that and editing wikipedia those are the Does he things. do that? Yeah, a lot. I hope he donates. I feel like I should donate, and I think I'm going to this Dude, week. Dude, I, I have shut to that shit down. I'm like, I gotta, Wikipedia? No, I got to donate. I don't even, anyway. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> to Wikipedia? You got to donate? I want to donate to Wikipedia. <laughs> I use it. I've been using it for, like, Donate to, like, the years. wildfire victims. Don't donate to Wikipedia. I don't know. I... I donate to Spotify. $10 a month, man. I do, and I wish Spotify... There's only so many things, you know? But yeah, no, that's a that's an issue. I mean, so that is an issue, but it is the way that people are getting their music nowadays. Not just Spotify, it's but how I found a lot of artists I love, and I have ended up buying their. It's an usually incredible. Their vinyl. It's an incredible product. Yeah, the fact that it's so successful speaks volumes to its place in in the marketplace. You right. know, it's it's super worth it. It's super worth it. Like imagine, like Tommy was telling me about uh, Greg. His dad. Yeah, yeah. And he yeah, was like... my father-in-law. He, he was like, explained wait. Explained it to him and he's like, wait, any, what? You don't need any... He's like, but how do I save it? He's like, you don't save it. It's just there. He's like, but what happens if like I lose it? What happens if I lose it? It's like, no, you're, you're not going to lose it. It's it's, it's there, always there. You know? Yeah. And then... Uh, it's not lot, even like a record where you can fucking crack it or something. Yeah. It's a lot like, of people no, are attached to like physical stuff because they think it, for whatever reason... It's more like solid and safe to have. Like if I have a, right. a vinyl record collection, I'm like, well, I, it's not going anywhere. I like having my vinyls. No, it's great. I'm, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying that 
Because I feel like you can focus on one album in a whole. I don't do that on Spotify yeah. where well, I just press play. I, I always try to. I, I try, try to, to, but yeah. I don't usually. But when I put a record on and I start cooking, because my record player is kind of between my kitchen and my living room, it's like if I put a record and I start cooking, you listen to the whole thing front well, to yeah. back. And it just, I don't know, it's kind of a That was like me with Zeppelin of, 4 growing up. It was just playing Zeppelin 4 over and over and that over and, and over uh, and over You again. would play fucking uh, play American Pie. Don McLean's American Pie. Yeah. Oh, I love that album. Uh the till tomorrow yeah. the song on oh it's, it's one of my album. one of my favorite songs of all time and then starry starry night anyway can't get into don mclean but yeah i we used to spin totally that a lot dude i i really yeah i love that album but then i i tried to like branch out like when i was in my like cat stevens phase you know i did the same thing i like like loved a few of his albums and then i branched out to more and i was like oh okay it's just these couple that i really love um don mclean i really love american pie yeah and I, I haven't really found another album that's as magical to me as that one. I mean, it, like dude, when you chairs, release American dude, Pie, just imagine. So, but the whole album is so good. Yeah, it is. But ima- yeah. so, but obviously American Pie is like the crown yeah. jewel of that album. Yeah. Imagine releasing American Pie. Boom. You just put it out there. Was that his first album? No. He, it, there had to have been more, right? Yeah, for sure there were. Trying to oh damn it! I typed in American Pie and of course that movie popped. I was up. gonna say you're going down a <laughs> rough uh, road here. But what I was trying to say is, imagine having the top Amer- uh, American Pie. Like you release your well, but dude, that song... you release that song and then you're like, well, now on to the next thing. It's oh, like, you mean album wise? Yeah, because no, I was like album that whole in song wise. Yeah, like uh, that whole album. Um, yeah, till till tomorrow. Um, can this be that is one of the most beautiful songs mm. i have ever heard and it was on my uh yeah on my on every mix cd i ever i used to give mix cds to my friends in high school and i'd like i'd like uh, get a blank cd case and i'd like cut out stuff from my art books and i'd like make the cover and the back and i'd like hand write the back like i really went all out with my mix cds and i think yeah. that was on like every fucking mix cd success, i made people I mean, success is so fleeting i'm looking at the chart positions here for his studio albums don mclean he released tapestry in 1970 oh yeah okay 111 on the charts never that was where it peaked is 111 and then american pie peaks number one i thought that was a carol king album tapestry yeah he has an album named tapestry too yeah Tap, that was, that was i believe debut. you i just I, I mean that's what wikipedia says maybe we should donate maybe they're lying to us now they're just feeding us just fake like, information we're just gonna fuck with you guys now because <laughs> you talk shit about us on your podcast but check it out uh, what i was trying to say is tapestry 111 so not quite successful yet getting there though getting noticed then he comes out with american pie that's number one u.s canada number three in the uk huge star and then and then he comes out with don mclean's self-titled album that drops to 23 in the chart position. Are you chronological? Because I'm not. Yes, I'm chronological. I'm on Wikipedia. His, on Don McLean's Wikipedia page. Okay. And then he goes to Playing Favorites, which is his next album. And it doesn't even hit the charts. And then it goes like, after that, he hits 120. He has a little brief comeback with Chain Lightning, which is 28 in 78. But after that, it's like, he doesn't, he doesn't even touch the top 25 after that. Oh, and he man. goes a whole, you Dude. know. What is that? American Fucking Pie. 40 it's got, years I just without it up. having it's a... Got, it's got Till Tomorrow, my favorite song. It's got Vincent, which is Starry Starry Night, um, which is one of the first songs I ever sang as a solo in choir. I sang Starry Starry Night. Oh. Yeah, it was one of the first solos I ever did, like ever. 
Um, Winterwood Crossroads, Empty Chairs, Everybody Loves Me Baby. Dude, it's well, such no a good there's album. There's no doubting it's a great album. It was but a, it was I, a I number just, one ranked, uh, like, charted album in 1971. It, it's an incredible album. My point was, though, is that success is so fleeting. You can have one good album, and luckily that's all you need to set you up for the rest of your life as an artist. Like If you, have, if you release American Pie, you're set for your entire life. You don't, yeah. you don't need to write more music. But now you're well, you can gifted tour. the opportunity to write new music, and you right. probably will. And I have think to he tour. gets to tour, or he has to tour quite a bit. I mean, um, a lot of these, a lot of these old, old guys, older guys, older musicians are like really against the Spotify thing, especially. Uh, they're not getting paid. Neil Young, but I get <laughs> Neil it. Young's all anti-Spotify because of uh, the fidelity of the music, like the quality. He's like nothing beats the fidelity of vinyl records and. Therefore, Aww. I'm not putting my music on any streaming service. It's like, okay, Neil. Neil. Okay, but can you... Come on, man. Can we just listen to your song on Spotify? How I about that? I want to listen to I'm a Vampire Babe. Dude, I saw, I saw Neil Young very recently um, at the Santa Barbara Bowl. And I have to say, it was kind of a bummer. I heard he talks a lot. Because I love Neil Young. He I didn't love talk Harvest. that much. He seemed real moody. And he had this uh, band with him that was like a kind of like jam rock like uh there were a bunch of young guys and they're kind of like a just kind of like a jam band a little bit and like they were kind of heavy huh. and they're like like playing like heavy rock and roll music oh, and it was a lot of just really... like riff rock and i'm like when i think of neil young i don't really think of like riff rock and like heavy rock and roll music i think of like lyricism and i think of yeah. acoustic guitar i think of harmonica i think of yeah i think of poignancy i don't think of like heavy rock and roll yeah and yeah it was like 90 percent that and then he went on this rant about how he shouldn't have to play his popular songs anymore oh, and God. it was just like neil. god damn it neil yeah don't you know where your bread is buttered? But <laughs> I um, it is what it is. Uh, I love Harvest too. He is on Spotify, by the way. Oh, he is. He yeah, must have he made is. the transition because um, he had this whole fucking rant about how he wasn't gonna put himself on like streaming services. I, you know, one reason I think I had an opportunity to see him at the Greek theater, and I and I decided not to because I heard that he. I think maybe mom saw him. Mom, correct us if we're wrong. <laughs> sure, you're listening. Yeah. Um, I feel like mom saw, saw him and said that he, he talks a lot. Like he goes on these kind of like monologue, like tirade thingies. But maybe that's um, anyway. Dude, maybe that's wrong. He's but he's super into the environment. Like he like. I mean, that's that's lives fucking on, like, great. Self sustained, no, like off the grid, like type fucking place. I'm sure. Um, and I'm not saying like this stuff about his performance to like try to shit on Neil Young because well, obviously we like Neil Young a lot, you know, everyone, yeah. everyone likes Neil Young who listens oh, to I him. It's Neil just, Young, yeah. it's, it, it, it's kind of rough when you see someone who you envision a certain way throughout their career because their career kind of dictates this is who they are. Yeah. It, you know, their career molds them in people's minds of what they are. And to me, you know, Neil Young was always like, folk singer who had, you know, like I said, great lyrics, acoustic guitar, blah, 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 that whole thing. Right. And then when you see him trying to, you know, maybe branch out and do this other thing, maybe that's what he's into now. But it's not necessarily what got you to the dance, you know? Um, well, and, but I, I don't think that they, that older musicians should also be pigeonholed into what they were, the, what they're known for. So I like the idea that he goes, I want to explore. Oh, totally. I like that. But I also get what you're saying where it's like, but people are paying their hard earned money yeah. to see you. And when you're, you're like, you can look 
and it's not just Spotify. It's like, look at your most successful tunes. Like, you should play. If what do you pe- think Neil Young's most listened to song is? Um, I'm Heart look. of Gold is what I think. But if you're going to play, it you know, if you're going to play. Heart of Gold. Oh, nailed, nailed it. it. I was going to say Old Man, but that. Yeah. yeah Heart of Gold has 30,000 more. Anyway. If you're going to, if you're going to play, you know, the Santa Barbara Bowl or the Greek Theater or something like that. Yeah. And then you're going to expect people to pay, you know, 50 plus, 60, 100 dollars a ticket. Only new songs. And then you're only going to play new songs. Yeah. And then you're going to rant at them why you shouldn't have to play your hits. Like, yeah, that is not the way to go about it at all, in my opinion. a little rude. I mean, we're not even fucking big at all. And how long have we played the cigarette song for? For fucking 10 Forever, years. Forever, because it's the song. only song people know. They're like, oh, cigarettes. I love those. All the people I know. They yes. know it. And yeah. it's it's fine. Like, we, we, we do it. We I think it. we should have done it on Friday, but everyone's. Everyone's really over it, and I get yeah. it. I fucking get it. I'm over it. Maybe we did do it on. Maybe Friday. we should. Maybe we did. I don't know. Maybe we got an extra song, and we decided to bust. I don't know. All right. Well, let's know. play. Let's play this last tune by Quiet Life, and then we're gonna get into a little bit more Radio Keys news, um, and then we will play another song after that, and peace out because we're already dragging our asses on this thing. So, um, this next one. It's called Summer of 16. I mentioned it before. It has a very sad, like, whimsical chord progression. Yeah. And it really pairs well with the lyrics. Which are... I think um, so. Anyway, I mean, that's just my opinion. The moods reflect well. And it's not over the top like we were talking about earlier. Yeah. And it's it's definitely in the vein of um, somebody who has been traveling a lot and is trying to maybe keep connections with people who are either far away or also traveling a lot. Um and just the idea of you know distance, yeah, and uh, and pounding pounding pavement in the road, and, uh, and he says I had whole days that would roll away in this uh, song, and that's my favorite because he's like just that. driving, yeah, yeah. and uh, and I think he's I think he's talking to somebody in the song, or it's it's expressed at at somebody else, and uh, and they're also um, kind of a drifter type, so that's anyway. I'll let yeah, the song speak for itself. But. One more thing about this song is we mentioned it before. Uh, they have like this nice synth feel that they add to their songs, especially in Foggy, yeah. where it won't be super prevalent. You won't necessarily notice it unless you're looking for it, but it creates a really great backdrop for the song. So you can hear some synth in the background, which gives it a really great atmosphere beyond just the instrumentation that you're used to, you know, the guitars, drums, bass vocals um and that's something to think about if you're writing and recording music is maybe you didn't think that there should be this extra backdrop layer to your music but if you have like a little organ that's just like playing chords up top it adds to that that upper that uh that upper resonance of uh the sound spectrum and you get you get you get that kind of checked off the box because when i think about um the equalization of music and it's kind of nerdy so uh, I'm going to try to keep it to a minimum. but Nerd out, dude. Basically, music <laughs> is just the range of human frequencies that we pick up from, right. you know, t- I think it's 200 to 20,000 uh, hertz or, okay. or whatever. So I'm it's listening. a spectrum. So you just picture like this is like the lowest we hear and over on this end is the highest we can hear as human beings. That's Are what you it- talking about like? 
like pitch literally like do- pitching. dogs yeah. can hear frequencies sh- higher yeah. okay right so the different right. pitches so that's why dogs can hear up here so you won't right. hear a dog whistle but a dog will be freaking out that's um, crazy but so there's this range of human human uh hearing right. for this frequency and basically when you're doing a record you try to think about what instruments are carving out which chunks of this frequency so you have yeah. the bass over here. Yeah. You don't really want the guitar to be treading on the bass, and you don't want the bass to be treading on the right. guitar. And then after the you know the guitar, you have maybe the bass drum. Then you have cymbals and or well not cymbals. Next you have like guitar next, and maybe a male vocal next. Then you have a right. female vocal. You have the cymbal, like the shiny resonance of the cymbals. Yeah. And you think about the spectrum that you're trying to fill in. Right. And what this synth does is maybe you have like a really low synth, maybe you have a really high synth. But it oh, helps to it helps to boost your awareness right. in those frequency spectrums. So yeah. that's why you don't really ever think about it when you're when you're writing music. But I think it's something important to think about because whether or not we know it, our ears pick these things up and it it sounds more full and it sounds like a more professional recording. Yeah. Just by having these uh these It kind of fills in that uh that bass line, not B-A-S-S bass, but B-A-S-E bass line. Yeah. Where it's like you kind of want this support for the whole sound. But totally. Yeah. I, I never thought of it that way because it, it really, and I, I kept saying, <laughs> I kept saying atmospheric before. <laughs> and it's just like. No, it's the right it's word. It's the atmosphere. Whole, yeah, it's, it's the creating atmosphere this whole, of the song. Yeah. And it's, um, it's kind of, there's a little bit of a, as from a novice, uh, vocabulary there's a dreaminess that comes to mind yeah. it's like in, a little in bit this dreamy one for sure. yeah but i challenge you if you're if you're an instrumentalist if you're a songwriter go into a studio try to record just drums one guitar and one bass and one vocal and see how thin that recording sounds yeah. it'll sound so thin well we've made those recordings and i'm just like ah there's i love i love a I love a bare bones recording of somebody singing and playing acoustic guitar. I fucking love that. Yeah. However, when you're thinking about there's other pressing an album too. and like putting, yeah, there's other factors. And it's like, if you can take a song um, and really kind of bring it to its brilliance, to its sort of best, yeah. you know, um, uh, to its potential, um, then I, I, I also don't believe in, overdoing it like i'll, I'll yeah. hear some like later coldplay songs or whatever where i'm not a huge coldplay <laughs> fan but later i feel like i'm like they're just doing way too much in the studio like it's way too they're much so right extra, and they're yeah. doing too much so it's like you have to find that happy balance but it's like if you have a bare bones song i love the bare bones of it but then sometimes i'll bring you a bare bones song or we'll write a bare bones song and it's just us and an acoustic guitar and it's like if you can bring it to that potential and you can add these instruments in mm-hmm. whether it be horns or organ yeah and make it the best that it can be fucking yeah. yeah you should well the other thing is is if you're it's all about sound you know at the end. Yeah. it's like it, you wanted to we're making what did tom white say when he got like a grammy he gave this weird speech and he was like i'm just making things out of the air or some yeah. shit like he just talked about making things in the air and it was like yeah that's what we're all talking about it's fucking music yeah it's, the thing the thing that, <laughs> so if you do record with just drums but i mean it happens all the time like the ramones did that shit like the beatles in their early career right. did that shit and the thing is is that also comes from the quality of the engineers that you're working with, they can, they can find a way to equalize each instrument that, that gives it its own space in that sound spectrum I was talking about. So it's, it doesn't, you don't have to artificially like throw in a synth to, to hit that frequency. 
um, if you have a talented enough producer and engineers, they can they can find ways to manipulate the equalization of each instrument to fill those. But that's a lot tougher to do, in my opinion. But anyway, again, we've gotten off track. Uh, <laughs> this is called uh, Summer of 16. It's by Quiet Life off their album Foggy from yeah. 2016. So mad at him. You guys have a love hate relationship. I'm so mad at him. Oscar is um, 
one of our two cats. We have Oscar it's and Django. It's my boyfriend. It's he, not a cat. Well, it's they're, a man. they're boyfriends. But um, Oscar, <laughs> Oscar, who we uh, we got from our uh, one of our best friends in the world and our old neighbor, uh, Alec. Alec. He moved to New Shout York. Shout out Alec Simpson. He, he lived uh, Swoop crown. near us and he had Oscar and he used to bring Oscar over for play dates because our cats got along and he'd say... You know, uh, and he said when he moved to New York, oh, I'm going to leave Oscar with you guys until I get a good spot where I can bring him over. And that was like three years ago, uh, three or three or four years ago. I think he moved there in 2015. Basically, Oscar's not leaving because Oscar and Django are in love. They're and we're not very separating much in them. love. So Oscar's, Emily, you got to make an Instagram about them. I will. It's going to be it'll be so much more popular huge. than our band. So <laughs> it's going to blow up because they are they cuddle a lot and they're very cute. And he's Siamese, so he has, or half Siamese, half Tabby. So he has these like big blue eyes. But let but me he, tell you, he yeah. has some bad habits because he used yes. to be a street cat and then he was a shelter cat, and so he. Has has now he's a dick cat. what i like to call maybe <laughs> hunger anxiety or like eating anxiety so even though we feed him like normal animal parents would he always thinks he needs to eat all the time so he tends to eat clothing <laughs> yes he does he ate my shoelaces this time around yeah he loves shoelaces so he went after my shoelace and i slept on it for maybe a few minutes and like that's all he needs to st- he's like a serial killer with this shit like you you get caught sleeping one time, and this cat will eat your stuff. So he ate my shoelace. Yep. He eats the hems of my bummed. dresses when they're hanging in the closet. He ate my shirt I was wearing yesterday. I fell asleep on the couch at one point, so yeah, I think he might have just snuck up yep. behind me and ate a hole in the back of my shirt. Yep. And then anxiety this is morning, real. <laughs> I found that He's he scared. ate like my athletic shorts that I brought here. So there's like a I'm whole so a big sorry. ass hole. <laughs> you know what? It's really made um. And now he's sitting on my. And the the worst part is, is you it can't makes discipline you cle- him. It makes you clean up after yourself though, because like it does. When I first started living with Tom, like his clothes were on the floor all the time. And when yeah. Oscar moved in with us, it was just like that stopped because yeah. he was like, "Oh, if I leave my clothes on the floor, Oscar eats him." And I'm like, "Yeah, Oscar eats him. It's the worst yeah. thing." In the but world. the thing is, is like you can't <laughs> discipline Oscar. Like, what are you gonna do? Like, no, you can't tell you, a cat. First like, of all, you can't really like you know. Yeah. A, you can't. You can't like spank a cat like you can, but they don't know why the fuck you're spanking them. Like it's just mean. Yeah, it's just mean. So we just have to say, hey, you know, so we he, love you. He's flawed Oscar and we love him. Is the most lovingest cat in the world. Like he loves people. He just so wants to sit with he you just all wants, the time. So he's yeah. sitting on my lap right now and he's purring and he's like so cute. But at the same time, I'll turn my back on him for two seconds and and he's done this Welcome when I'm to my life. <laughs> no, he's done this to me. I'm before. constantly like, getting all, mad at him and then I'm just like, oh, I love you I've so much. I've caught him on this podcast and other places like where you're talking and then you look down and he's eating your shoelaces. Like, yeah. When you're not even, yeah. I mean, you're conscious, you're awake and, it's funny and you're there he, he and knows, it's on your fucking foot. And he he's knows it's it. bad too. Like I've, I've pulled out clothes that he's eaten and like looked at them in front of him and he runs out of the room. Like he knows he's not <laughs> supposed to do it. He's like, Oh shit, she found it. And he like, he knows, but, uh, he, it's like an addiction. So he's we, boy, we though. love him despite his, uh, vices, which is how you should feel about all the people in your life. Unless that vice is like, really bad yeah <laughs> like, unless it's like vices. meth or murder Let's and then maybe not Bundy. and then maybe no, not and then maybe fuck that guy um yeah, so real. um so the th- we're gonna play a last song on the 
and and we'll yeah. talk about that. But before that, we want to talk about like a little bit of what little we're radio doing. Radio Keys news. So, uh, yeah. So if this is your first time listening, we are Radio Keys, and we are brother and sister. And, uh, and what do we call ourselves? An Americana band? Is that right? I don't Roots know, rock. dude. People ask me at work rock. or something. Like they're like, what kind roll. of music do you play? And I'm like, yeah, it's, uh, I always fall short. I'm just like, it's, uh, it's Americana. It's singer songwriter. It's, it's, I don't know. It's well, we folk, have a, we have maybe a wide it's rock and base. roll, maybe. We have a wide base of influences. And the thing about Americana is it includes like the root like american roots music which is well, folk country and blues and was, those are like kind of the yeah. three things that we pull from and also like we're very rock and roll oriented too like we listen to rock and roll bands growing up you know what's funny as music progresses and changes and we get these new kind of types of music like quiet life or dr dog it's like play 10 dr dog songs and tell me what the fuck kind of music that is play 10 quiet life songs Emily. and tell me what the fuck music that is. play modest mouse and tell me what it is besides it's indie, indie people are like modest mouse is indian it's like they are completely their own thing and it's like we just have not adapted to where we're like able to i don't know it's like we're taking these same it's a beautiful thing though because there's so many different types well, of I'm, music now what i mean is we we're, we're taking these old labels and trying to put them on new yeah. music so we take like I, I read a lot of quiet life stuff today where it's like their roots rock and so i was we're like unlabelable kind of but they're totally their own thing like there's so Every, much yeah. more than that and like I heard so them called a folk uh an indie folk band and also like a, f- a folk rock band and i'm like I don't really think of Quiet Life as folk generally. I think that well, they're Well, but their earlier albums do sound folk. Folkier, but they're not right. like folk. Like, right. fo- like if you they're think not, about folk music, it's like Yeah, it's not Joan Baez. It's very fucking different than yeah. what they are. And like you just throw rock in there why? Cuz there's drums. Like, well, but that's what I'm saying is I feel like music has evolved and the terms for music have not evolved. Have not evolved. So it's like, "Hey, what kind of music are you? Are you rock? Are you pop?" Are you folk? Mm. Are you, you know, and it's just like, I think it's um, evolved for like electric, like EDM type music. Yeah. There's hell of different genres of that shit. Which I still don't understand. Like, I'll no. be like, oh, is that techno? And everyone's like, it's dubstep. And I'm like, it sounds like techno. Dude, I don't when get I, it. When I moved to Santa Barbara, it's just in computer college, music, right? We'll go back to 2009. Well, it's synth- synthesized music generally with, with samples. Music. And then they'll like sample stuff and then manipulate that as well. But um, I first heard dubstep in 2009 when i moved to uh isla vista it's very whoa, whoa, whoa. dude i thought it was like fucking alien music it was like it just sounds i can't remember at mountain vibe when i was and getting I was like, so upset oh, you that you triggered. guys were playing you were that so fucking triggered well it's because i got like heat stroke on stage <laughs> at mountain vibe so we played i got heat stroke I'm not laughing i turned funny. to alante and i was like i might fucking fall down our drummer i was like i might pass out and he's like are you okay and then we started our set like that's how shitty i felt when we yeah. started our set we played our set and we Alcohol left and like had nothing I was, to do with it no i wasn't i wasn't drinking that day and the night before i wasn't drinking a lot it was just i was standing in the sun for too long that's at this right festival. it was uh, it's it was all... the prior year that you were not feeling good from right but anyway i was i was laying down in the tent like just drinking water but i was like so like yeah. past the point of like water there. will I've help there, i was yeah. so like like heat stroke like headache like delirious That'd and be, like salt or the people in our point. the people in our camp were playing uh dubstep at like fucking 11 a.m like no, no, no this was this was like 4 30 and this i was point, just like we, had, we played it like 30. you're right you're right yeah. it was like 4 p.m but i was so mad it might as well have been like and nine i came in the out i came out like 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 your dad 
and you're being too loud. I was just like, <laughs> everyone. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I feel like shit. And that sounds like the, this is hell right now. Like I'm like dying in my tent of heat stroke and you guys are playing fucking robot music. I was dying and I felt like I was such an asshole because everyone's like, all right, Emily, we'll, we'll fucking play some sublime or something. Like we'll play some, something like easier on the ears, but oh, they yeah. were just playing dubstep and I wanted to kill myself. No, I did too. Anyway. <laughs> I, just, I just wasn't feeling sick. So I didn't like do anything about it. But, I like when I was I in Ala Vista. I wrap dance, my brain around it. Yeah, when I was at dance parties, or you know, you kind of walk from house to house, go to house parties, and there's just like nothing but like beautiful people everywhere. You're in fucking college, and and they're all just like dancing to this weird ass fucking music. And I was like, I had literally never heard it before. I, I yeah. went there, so I go to this house. And I'm like, no, seriously, like what? It I, hurts I thought my I'm a music person. It, it didn't hurt my, my head. head. It was really, like it. It, it was really like curious to me. I was just like, I'm a music guy. I've, you know, listened to music my whole life and I've literally never heard this before. I don't know if dubstep was new in that time, but it was definitely the only thing that was playing. I think, yeah, it's interesting. I I can't, I don't know. Oh, I don't like it. I I don't like it. But I don't hate it. I'm not saying that it's like, it shouldn't exist or that people shouldn't be doing that or that it's not interesting, but I'm just, yeah, from a total taste perspective, which is all that music really is in a lot of ways. I I just can't wrap my head around it. What I think it's cool about it is we're talking about like traditional uh, feels and things that make you like right. music as like a, a yeah. familiarity to it. And what I do like about dubstep it, is it kind of introduced a new pulse to music where there's like this breakdown where it's like it kind of dies and dwindles and then speeds up. But that's every dubstep song too. Well, now, well, now it is. But it's when like it, it builds and then it boom, But when it, it first drops. started, that was like brand new. Like yeah. no one knew no, that that was like a thing. No, it's exciting that it's brand new. It's exciting so that it's brand new. So that's what, I don't that's know. I think is what was cool about it is. I can't picture, I don't know. Anyway. I, 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 get, so, I get annoyed when I can't picture how the sound is being made. So Radio <laughs> Keys is going full dubstep is what we're going with. But yes. So our band, Radio Keys, uh, we we've been around for 10 show. years. Well, we had a big show. Um, we just Sorry, played Ham Jam. Right. Yeah, so we re- re- pre-record this. That means this is released on Sunday. So tonight, yeah. that means we're playing Bolinas for yeah. like all night. Yes. Yeah. Um, so let's let's uh, go back to the Ham Jam real quick. Yeah, um, it was great. I'm sure it was great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> We're recording this on Wednesday. It's on yeah. Friday, but it releases on Sunday. So it was, yeah, it was great. But I heard the Santa Hat Bash, which was the week before, was one of the craziest nights that Vinny's ever had. And that was basically like... Well, they had Forest Day. They had Forest Day and they also big. had Planting Seeds. So that was... Oh, a, yeah. So that, that apparently was a massive show. Right. But I think that it could serve have, to make this ham jam yeah. great. Like I'm sure it was. Um, because... We have Overland. Well, no, but... Because it is a Mountain Vibe production. So like, if you see that this is a Mountain Vibe show and you had a good time, and then you see at the same venue, there's another Mountain Vibe show, you're like, well, that last one fucking killed. Like, what else am I doing? We've said it before, but every band on this bill, Rossmore, Mama Foxy, and Overland, like, we're all just killer. We're just, they're just good bands. Yeah. Like, they're they're just good at their craft. Like, I could bring any like person in my life to this show and be proud of every single band. Like I don't care if you only listen to like seventies rock or you only listen to like fucking Mariah Carey, you'll probably dig the actual show because it's just the best musicians and singers doing like their best and they're just killing. Yeah. Mama Foxy is similar to us. They're like, they're kind of like a blues rock band. 
Right. Um, and they have a lot of country uh, jangle to them too. Yeah. Um, and their singer is a monster. She's a killer. She's um, amazing. And then you have Ross Moore, who is a little bit more like a Foo Fighters type band. Yeah, that's so, a good comparison. So if you like that kind of, I, I don't really want to call it alt rock, but it, it's kind of like that grunge meets alt rock. And Patrick has a great grunge voice, and he's got a great voice. yeah, and just a great voice in general. What and I sweetie. think that his his melodies that he writes are very sophisticated especially for the genre yeah. and we watched him come up in the bay area music scene like playing just him for a yeah. long time like how many alt rock bands have you seen where like it's you know that that riff rock da 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 but then like the maybe... lyrics are just so lame and like the melodies right. aren't there and the singer is like trying to impersonate eddie vedder or some shit right and it's like it's not authentic but but what rossmore does is very authentic yeah and i i really and also they, I mean, they did have got Shane, Shane's gone, but they got Bobby, who is an beast. ace in the hole. Yeah, like, if you, you got Bob Bobby in your band. I've been in band with Bobby. Oh, he's also in Mama Foxy. Yeah, so. he's also in Mama Foxy. So, so he's in the first two bands. So he's so Tom is doing sound. Our bass player, my husband Tom, is doing sound for the first two bands, which Bobby is in, and then Bobby's doing sound for us and Overland. Thank God, Bobby's doing sound for us. I love. I love oh, Bobby, I love. Oh, I love when Bobby. He's does got sound a, for such us. a unique he, ear. He has so much history and knowledge of what he's actually fucking doing. Yeah. Like, he's one of those musicians where you throw him in front of a soundboard, and it's like he he has sound background, but he definitely benefits he from just also just having ear. so much of a yeah. musician's ear that it's just like he knows what the fuck he's doing i trust him so much so and then you have us going up um and we've really been rehearsing hard um since i'm really I've moved nervous back. about it i'm not nervous at all i'm, I'm nervous because i'm playing guitar yeah, more than i usually am yeah you are and, and I, I think that's gonna yeah. be a theme that's gonna uh, want to know what i've also wanted to do and it's a secret that i've kept until right now oh shit I want to get a setup where we get one of those keyboards that's like this big. He's he's holding his hands like I don't know. A it's like two half, feet, right? Two feet apart. Yeah, okay, like yeah. two feet wide. And we just put that keyboard um, with some synthesizer, like maybe with a you laptop. Want me to play some chords? Well, either of us can. I know all the piano chords because Tom taught me so, like ten years ago. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> and so when we were talking about like adding this atmosphere, like okay, that's what I'm talking about. We can like now one of us when we're not playing guitar, we can just be like wee wee. Yeah. That's me playing that. Is that what you're keyboard. doing? Yeah. And then Oscar was meowing yeah, and yawning over there. That's Why don't you nice. go eat a sock or something, dude? He will. Don't tell him twice. Don't bend his <laughs> arm. He will. Anyway, so tonight, uh, the Sunday, the 23rd, we're playing. It's the day before Christmas yeah, Eve. So day, happy holidays, it's Christmas everyone. It's Christmas Eve's Eve. We get to play this cool show at Smiley's and Bellinas where they let the band sleep above the bar. So yeah. we play all night and then. Better than Bellinas, underneath the bar. I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely haunted above and below the bar. Uh, it's mm-hmm. it's haunted everywhere. It that the whole building was built in like the 1800s. It's very yeah. creepy. I'm super allegedly. Excited. So excited. it was originally owned by the Captain Morgan, is what it says on the website. I don't think owned. I think he used to hang out there. No, I think it was owned. Okay. I remember reading. We it. disagree. It's fine. But anyway, so we're playing that, and then it's Christmas, and then we're playing a long, long gig in uh, in Napa. Um, do we have any more Radio Keys news, or shall we talk about um, this last yeah, Fire so, Life song? So, 23rd, Bolinas, 28th, Napa. Oh, and one big thing is our website is up now. Emily, oh, that's huge. Uh, Sorry. Emily made it. 
RadioKeysMusic.com. RadioKeysMusic.com. Um, thank you, Squarespace. <laughs> <laughs> this one goes out to Squarespace. All the fucking and podcasts radio keys I listen for to a 10% are the reason, discount. Yeah, the reason I did Squarespace is because I listen to so many podcasts, and it's it's just and honestly, it's it's easy to use. There's a few things that took me forever to learn, and I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, I had to Google it, but I got a we got some photos, videos on there. We have all our tour dates lined out. Uh, mapped out i meant and uh and um yeah we have the podcast will soon be available on the website too um so that's all very exciting we just launched it uh so radiokeysmusic.com and um we uh yeah we're just writing and working and playing a bunch of gigs in 2019 and we actually are writing a lot too we We just wrote a song song last night night and i really like it i think it's gonna be good um, and I guess I'll just say it now. Might as well. Uh, we're coming back to Santa Barbara in March. So March Hi, 9th. Hi, Santa Barbara. Oh, Santa we Barbara missed folk. you so I know, much. I, miss y'all. <laughs> I really do. I, miss I them. love Santa Barbara. But uh, Colin, Bacon, yeah, Weaver. All my boys. Miss all my you boys guys. Out there. Yeah. And girls too. Ladies, women. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. All right. So that's pretty much it for us. Uh, again, we're Radio Keys. Uh, we're in St. Helena right now, but uh, we're from the I East do wanna, Bay generally. I do want to say about this. Uh, so we're going to play one last song from Quiet Life, right? I'll do it, girl. Uh, it's called New London. So Sean and Ryan are from, I'm assuming his brother and him are both from uh, uh, New London, Connecticut, um, which he describes as kind of like a, a small. Uh, a small town. Like that's the point of the song. It's like a small town and there are people getting into trouble there, but that's just like, so I have a quote the weekend. I have a quote from him on new London. It's a, uh, the song is a reflection on the town I was born in new London, Connecticut. It's a small old whaling town on the long Island sound. The, the town itself has been through some rough times, lots of crime and a downtown full of empty storefronts and shady characters. I saw a murder on the street. Before Christmas one year. He saw a murder? He said that. I saw a murder on the street before Christmas one year. A dude got shot in the head outside of a bar called Ernie's. After that, I split for California. I had to get out. To me, New London is a matter-of-fact story about a place that taught me a few things, one of which is that there is no shame in abandoning your roots and getting out and seeing the world as long as you don't forget where you came from fucking great quote um and then we're gonna play the song Dude, new london Sean is a very interesting character i am so in love really with him hope- he's amazing um and and this song uh it's it's a very it's it's hard to sit and write a song like hey i love this place we did it with fourth lake hey i love this place maybe i have a uh, kind of tumultuous relationship with this place and i want and i want to take one song and encompass all all of that and he does it in this I song and uh he talks about the murder a little bit he talks about um uh you'll hear him say like uh gosh um there's he definitely mentions some, ernie's in of, bar yeah in the song. flashing lights people crowded around who's there lying in a pool of blood thank god it wasn't one of us not this time like it's it's a really uh it's a really well-crafted song and it and you can tell that he crafted it with a lot of heart and a lot of uh pressure on not pressure is the, yeah. not the right word but um and he he pulls it off in a very authentic and and natural way and yeah. i just love it it's one of the songs that i played and i had no idea what new london meant but i played it off that record it's on 
is it on wild um it's on wild it's off wild path yeah and yeah. i was like oh this is one of my favorite songs and it's then one i looked of mine. immediately it was one and of then mine i looked into it and i was like oh it's because it this is so straight from the fucking heart so um yeah. so yeah i hope you enjoy uh, uh well yeah one more thing i just kind of want to talk about their trajectory um i'm not 100 oh, yeah. sure what's up with quiet life now i just went to their facebook page when i was asking them to do this podcast and the members of the band in that page had dwindled to just the brothers. So I don't know if they're alone now, if they or have if anyone that's not helping updated. them or if it's not know. updated. Yeah. Uh, their website for me at least didn't even load. So that's not a good sign. Oh, no. I don't know if they're doing anything new. I haven't seen their like band page tweet in like a few months. Well, so. but we know you, no matter what's going on, it's one of these bands uh, like our band or like uh the Fleece Brothers or, or like any of these family bands where it's like if there's two relatives that are playing music, like you and I are always going to, whatever happens, yeah. you know, nothing bad is going to happen to Alante and Tom. Don't worry. <laughs> We're a family band and it's going to be fine. But like I feel like when if, if we had some hired guns, you know, yeah. and they dropped out, um, I feel like we would still. So so if, well, that, that if guy, that's what happened, I don't know, but their, their they're, lead guitar they're, player dropped out. Uh, Thor, but, my guy, my guy that I could I not know. stop raging. But the about. heart, the heart of that band yeah, is, the, is the is the brothers, and if if they yeah. uh if they have this talent and this obvious drive with the touring and the fucking writing and the record, they might just like, be taking a break too. Who knows? I think they have a drive, and I think they're gonna be. And just like he fine. said, and like he said, you get to a certain point where there's no turning back. You know? There's no turning back. Yeah. You're just doing it. Yeah. yeah. So. So this, uh, we'd like to thank you all for listening to the podcast. Please check out Quiet Life. Yeah, and, Quiet uh, Life. Thank you so much, Quiet Life, for letting us uh, play a little bit of your As music. Always. And it's huge. Like uh, We've ranted about it so much, but it's so fucking awesome to chat with these bands and have them give us this permission to use it. Uh, sorry, to use their music because, I mean, we wouldn't be able to do a podcast right. without it. So... I mean, we could, but then we wouldn't be playing music in the middle, and it might be a little out of context. You'd be, be like, little... I, I, we'd be talking about songs, and you'd be like, I can't fucking, uh, I want to hear them. So, but anyway, this one is called New London, and it's off of Wild Pack from 2013, Quiet Life. All right, thank you, everybody. When you drive down Main Street in a passing car There's nothing to do that ain't a cold, dark bar Yeah, that much I know No neon lights, no movie stars Just the same old place where a weekend starts On a Friday night He does the whiskey and she takes the gin Come on mama, we're gonna do it again We'll split when the coast is clear Out through the alley in the parking lot Up round the back to the old rooftop Get a good look around 
All I see are big ideas Boarded up shop after all these years In my hometown Yeah, you know it's not a pretty sight It's just New London on a Friday night Playing till the final call We all had 
too much alcohol, but it's alright. It's alright. It's just new London on a Friday night. It's just new London on a Friday night. It's just new London.